David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead. And he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. And just before I get the party started, oh, really? gotta open up that Mountain Dew. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes and I'm here with the whole cast of characters. My good buddy, Tim Elliott. Say hi, Tim. Uh, hello. And then we've also got the interns. I don't care about them as much as Tim, but hey, there's, uh, <laughs> just kidding. I really like these guys. Uh, we got John Hyatt here. Say hi, John. Hey. David Thompson. Say hi, Dave. Hello. Hello. And Mr. Kirk Greenfield, the weatherman from West Virginia. Good morning. And the voice of West Virginia, too. Man, that's an amazing voice. I love that. Mm. How's everybody doing today? It's Good. warm here. Warm and muggy. Okay, since uh, I have sucked here, <laughs> as since I have sucked so bad the last couple times we've tried to do a, a, an intro on the show and what we're going to do, I'm going to see if anybody else would like to describe for our listeners what we're going to be uh, going through today. Who wants to handle that, Tim? I'll take it. Alrighty. All right. Well, first, let's say this is a special fiftieth episode for Third Degree Burn. It's a high mark for us. We don't put a lot of episodes out, so that's a we're making kind of a big deal out of it. So we decided instead of covering one book over a three-hour period, we might take six books. Actually, we're doing seven books, right? Uh, on the John Byrne run on the Incredible Hulk. Short as it was, uh, many feel that it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty important. So we're going to cover Hulk three fourteen through three nineteen, and Marvel fanfare number Marvel fanfare number twenty nine which includes all of his sequential work on the Hulk. And we might even talk a little bit about Hulk Annual 14, which is right. he, happening. Yeah, he, he, was, he didn't do the art in that, though. So it's he was just, a writer. It doesn't really fit in with this, although it, it does. There, there's a lead-in, that's for sure. Now, did any of you guys buy this when it first came off the stands? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, is my, this is why I got into the Hulk, because Byrne was on it. I jumped to the Hulk because he was the, uh, the artist on it. Same here. And I stayed uh, with it through the Peter David run. I think almost all the way through his run, I kind of dropped off right at the end, I think. I, I, I wanted to get into the – I wanted to read this Hulk because John Byrne was on it, but I was overseas in the military, and comics were not that easy to find. And even then, um, space was extremely limited on board a ship. So mm. <laughs> um, I had to be very careful about what books I bought, and then I had to ship them home or, or pass them on to my shipmates. But uh, – I did want to get into this because it was like, wow, you know, John Burns drawing the Hulk. Maybe I might actually like the Hulk. For I me, did not buy these off the rack. You didn't? 
No, I found these in the back issue bins in the, you know, early 90s when I was in my, my budding uh, comic reading. But this this is an, an incredible run, no, no pun intended, because it's shortly after this, you know, a little up-and-coming artist, uh, McFarlane, would start uh, start making an impact in the comic world, too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's about that time. And, you know, for me, it was really weird because when I got the first issue... Um, I, I, you know, it's like, I, I was just like, okay, this is what I need. You know, it was like, it was like food, but in the later issues as they came, the flexographic printing process was in its infancy and the issues were all coming in, at least to the stores that we were buying them. Every issue looked like it was smudged and smeared so that the, the, mm -hmm. the, the art just didn't look good, but it wasn't because of burn. It was because of the coloring process and the place were off or whatever. It wasn't until a couple years later when comic book John was in the area and he would go to the crap hotels and get the ballrooms and have just tons of long boxes lining the walls. And you could get any book in any box was 10 cents. I got nice. like five or six copies of every issue of the Hulk run there, except for fanfare. And uh, the, the the copies that I got from there were pretty pristine. There was no, uh, the the coloring was fine. It was, just seemed to be the ones that came to our comic book shop. Maybe our comic book shop guy, uh, you know, ticked somebody off at the distributor because, <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it, for months, you know, for those months, uh, they were all, like, messed up. But it was only the Hulk issues. It wasn't any other issues that we were buying. I don't, I don't. I don't find these in the in the in the bins as much as I do his Alpha Flight work or his FF work or even some of his Superman work. You can find you know sometimes you can find whole runs of Alpha Flight, but I don't yeah. I don't find these. Uh, yeah, I pick well, them up off the stand, but they're five to ten dollar comics now, you know, in like a very fine condition. Yeah. So that's... so you're harder to find them in you know just the the random dollar long boxes or 50 cent long boxes well there's also only about six of them versus 29 or true right. or you know 60 so <laughs> yeah. yeah you're not going to see as many yeah but you know as far as what i was able to get from comic book john i was able to get all this this run multiple times over mm -hmm. as uh well at the same time i was able to get all the man of steel and all those books at one point or other jumped to about five dollars in value and I was able to sell all those when I needed the money. So it worked out really good for me. So, you know, thanks, John. Cool. So was anybody reading the Hulk uh, when this came? I wasn't. This is where I jumped on. Was anybody I, else? I read the Hulk up until 300, and then I dropped off. I had no interest in that, you know, crossways. Crossworlds. Yeah, cross, cross yeah. It just completely – and then I wasn't a fan of the artwork that was being done at the time. I think it was Jerry Talek and uh, Mike Manola and someone else uh, – yeah, Manola was involved in it, but it didn't look anything like Manola. No, but I've got the issues though. I just didn't read them, um, so I, and I kept buying the Hulk. I petered out, and that's uh, pun intended, on the David run. Um, somewhere in there, I think it was when he started reversing the psychological aspects of the Hulk and Banner. There was uh, an issue there where it was Banner that was all rage and. And everything, and he turned into the Hulk, and you know, wimp. Yeah, I, I stayed through the 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 Pantheon days mm -hmm. when he was uh, like Smart Hulk when he and, had been merged. And Dale by Cowan Samson. or Keown or however you Keown, say it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Dale Keown's work, yeah. so I stayed with it mostly well, for I that. Mean, yeah. Let's be honest, Dale Keown's work at that time was John Byrne light. Yeah, 
It, 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 to I mean, me, well, to me, I'd, I'd say to me, it, it harks more of um, uh, Alan Davis. It's got I more see of a that. kind of organic feel Alan Davis has. But let's uh, get back to the subject at hand. Um, I mean, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say about your experience back then, though? Hope I, I, was never something I was interested in. I just occasional issue here and there. Like when the UFOs came out, I thought that was pretty cool. So I bought that and maybe one or two others. Um, I never saw Hulk 181, so I never got that one. But um, uh, yeah, Hulk, my brother liked, my little brother liked the Hulk, but not me. <laughs> not I, me so I started in on the Hulk much later and it was more, I'm, I think it was more around the time when Banner's personality took over. If When I was younger, I wasn't necessarily interested in the Hulk smash persona of the right. Hulk. So when things started to change and we had that area that led into Secret Wars, it got interesting for me to, yeah. to see you know how he would you know handle all that. So I I've, did that and saw that fall. I've got the two pocketbooks they put out, which is the first six issues and then – the run that introduces uh, Abomination, and it's got the um, the Stranger, and I don't know what I think it's Maria Severin's is doing the and uh, Gil Kane's doing the artwork, mm-hmm. and I've read those over and over, so I've got those kind of committed to memory. But other than that, my knowledge was Secret Wars and the TV show. Hmm. Okay. Well, anyone else? But I guess we'll go ahead. No? I, I, you know, the thing I'll say though is that, uh, of course, I was um, in college at the time. And my friends would come over virtually every day to, you know, break because my I had a, a uh, an apartment that was right off campus, and so you could walk to it within just a few moments. And so, my friends would all come over and just dig into my collection. And and these, of course, were some that, you know, everybody was just, you know, this is amazing stuff. And they were like, when's the next one? When's the next one? When's the next one? <laughs> a lot of fun. <clears throat> For anyone that's interested, um, Al. Ewing is currently writing Immortal Hulk, which is an excellent series. And if you like the more classic take on the Hulk, um, where the Hulk comes out at night and Banner is around during the day, uh, you know, more of the, like the Tales to Astonish or more horror angle, uh, that's that's Immortal Hulk right now. And I think we're up to issue 27 or 28, and it's just been excellent. I've got a story of John Byrne's interview during this period, but I'll save it until yeah. we actually get into the issues. Yeah, we've got we've got a couple things here, but uh, let, let's go ahead, though, and turn our attention to the first book, which is incredible. Oh, oh. What, should, what? should we talk about the, how we're doing this format since we're covering so many issues? Well, sure. Uh, now, I've uh, volunteered to cover uh, issues 314 and 319. But uh, in between, uh, David will be covering issue 315, Tim 316, John 317, Tim again will do 318, I will be doing 319, and then Kirk tails up at the end with Marvel Fanfare 29. And so each of us will, you know, give a little uh, synopsis of the issue. I've got, of course, the uh, listing of what was uh, produced, what else was produced by Byrne at the time. And uh, we'll have some discussion. We won't be going page by page, and we'll only give about 20 minutes per book uh, at the most. And if we go past that, our friend David here is going to interrupt with the little bell sound there. Now, if we start to get off topic and get off the rails, Kirk is going to give us, hopefully, a little cowbell. (laughs) 
So hopefully we can stay on subject and get this moving so we're not going to be a five-hour episode. Uh, so, <clears throat> with that in mind, let's get started. Incredible Hulk number 314, cover date December 1995, on sale date was September 10th, 1980, excuse me, 1985. Uh, cover price was 65 cents, the page count was 32. The uh, writer, penciler was John Byrne, with inker Bob Wyacek. Letters by Rick Parker, colors by Andy Yankis, and editor was Denny O'Neill, the late, great Denny O'Neill. Uh, the, the story is titled Call of the Desert, but it actually has uh, three titles in it, doesn't it, as it goes through the different chapters. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, book has been reprinted a few times, Marvel Superheroes Magazine number 1, Hulk Visionaries John Byrne trade paperback, which I think is seen like 37 printings and um it's also been reprinted in the marvel universe by john byrne the uh large omnibus which is what i've been using to reread these uh issues lately and it's freaking gorgeous um how are y'all reading this i'm reading them on marvel unlimited uh because i'm lazy and don't want to go pull these issues out of a long box how does it look with that kind of uh, you know, digital coloring to me always kind of throws me off a bit. It's yeah. Like lose I, detail. I, yeah. We've talked about it in the past. It's, it's my least preferred format for reading comics, mm-hmm. um, but it is very convenient. I, the colors are all vibrant and bright and look great, uh, but I do miss the, you know, newsprint effect to the coloring and to the way that the, the pencils and things look. Anybody else? I'm I'm reading scans. I think this, it, it, so. Mine are actual scans. It's it's from, it's not from the the. I've got the Hulk DVD yeah. that has all the issues. It's not from that because there's no watermark, but it's it's actual scans of the book. It's not a it's not recolored because I got all the ads too. Yeah, I've I've, I've got that as well. Um, and but I, I I went ahead and pulled out my omnibus just because I, I wanted to read it like that. Uh, That's, so. My stuff's all still packed up, so I'm not gonna. Like, the, like the, Dave, I'm not going to dig that stuff up. The scanned issues that uh, that I've got um, are actually really good um, reproductions, though. And yeah, yeah pretty good. Have all, all, all the ads. Um, Kirk, did you have to yes, go? Sir. Were you able to? Did you read these online? Or I remember you were asking about that. You're talking about that the other day. Um, they're in my long boxes, and like everybody else, I'm not going to unpack them. So I'm relying on memory. Um, I did try to find read free comics online to see if I could find them, but I was having some difficulty. Either they're not in their collection or I'm not searching correctly. So I'm just going to rely on on memory and your visual descriptions. Ah, you know, of course, uh, a lot of these uh, were actually posted, not 100%, but uh, posted for the most part on Burns' website in the Reading Club. If you do a, a search of site Burn Robotics and then the issue number, Usually it'll come up and it'll show, okay, they did, you know, the, the reading club for 314, 315, and so on. And you'll even see comments in there by Byrne and others about the, uh, about the issues. Of course, Byrne gives his uh, synopsis of what went down between him and Jim Shooter in the first one. But um, uh, it's pretty, it, I mean, there's, there's some good information in there if you look around. Um, did I miss anyone? I don't think so. Okay, so like like we said, this book came out in December of 1985. At the same time, there was uh, tons of uh, other things coming out. Epic Illustrated number 33 had some work by Burnett. I didn't find out what that was. 
Fantastic Four 285. This is the hero uh, issue, which, uh, if you all remember, that was where the little boy uh, was a big, huge fan of the of the Human Torch, and uh, tragic things happen. Um, a German reprint of that, a newsstand reprint of that, Heroes for Hope, starring the X-Men, where uh, many of the artists and writers of the day came in and did one or two pages. Uh, Byrne contributed to that. Um, Le Mysterio, X-Men. I don't know that. I'm, I'm not good with French. Uh, there's, it's a reprint of the Dark Phoenix saga. And as we were talking about Incredible Hulk 314, uh, also there's a Marvel Legends reprint that was put out the same month for that Incredible Hulk 314. That doesn't make any sense at all. And then there was the official handbook of the Marvel Universe Deluxe Edition, number one, Abomination to Batroc. And uh, that Deluxe Edition, they really, really like to use Burns' work in. And so you'll see his, his work peppering virtually every issue, as well as the cover, because he did the large uh, poster cover that uh, all the issues uh, make up. And then there, of course, was the official Marvel Index to the Fantastic Four, number one. So uh, as far as actual work that he published, there was the Epic, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, and then everything else is pretty much pulled from previous work. Now, does anything, anybody have anything they want to say before I get, get to the synopsis? No, I'll just add one little thing. That's just something I found in kind of some research I was doing. As you stated, this is called Call of the Desert, but you say it's got three titles mm -hmm. because it is broken into three chapters. And apparently he wanted to do that with the rest of the books, but he didn't. The rest are standard. Um, I wonder why they're not broken was. into chapters. I don't know. Hmm. If he just the original tired format of, of the Silver Age Marvels, particularly around the time of the Hulk and the Fantastic Four, was that each book it, had three right. chapters. So it's a throwback to the original format. No, but that's the reason I think he'd do it. Yeah, and, and he would start off that way. I wonder if Danny O'Neill had something to say about that. And we'll talk about Danny O'Neill in a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> here we go with the synopsis that I pulled from the Marvel Wiki since my computer decided to vomit on me this morning. <clears throat> All right. Back on Earth, the Hulk leaps across the Colorado Rockies. When he lands, he startles a buck. When it tries to ram the Hulk, he kills it with a single blow. With the creature killed by the strike, the Hulk examines the body momentarily before leaping off again. The Hulk's passage is witnessed by a young boy who also sees a strange ship buzz overhead. Excited about the sight, the child runs back to town to tell everybody what he had seen. At the Evanston campus of Northwestern University, Doc Sampson has been working a job in the psychology department since the Hulk was exiled from Earth. However, he's quickly informed by his fellow faculty members that the Hulk has been spotted in Colorado. Sampson tells the, the others that he has to take some leave and begins leaping toward uh, where he believes the Hulk is going to. Meanwhile, at an apartment where Betty Ross has been sharing with her new boyfriend, Ramon, she snaps for him for calling her babe. When he snaps on the radio and she hears the report about the Hulk, Betty realizes what she now must do. Twelve hours later, Doc Sampson arrives at the ruins of the Gamma Base, thinking that the Hulk will be drawn here as it's the only place a brute can consider home. As he recounts the accident that led to the birth of the Hulk, the very creature he's seeking lands right before him. When Sampson makes the mistake of calling the Hulk by Bruce Banner's name, sends the Hulk into a frenzy. Sampson dukes it out with the Hulk, but is quickly defeated. 
Suddenly the Hulk begins to hallucinate, fighting with imaginary foes like the Juggernaut, Modok, the Rhino, the Abomination, and the Leader. Witnessing the Hulk fighting nothing but thin air, Samson bides his time. When he is led to believe that Samson is just a, an, an illusion as well, Samson takes advantage of this and manages to land a blow that is strong enough to knock out the Hulk. With the battle over, Samson has figured out, figured out a way to remove Banner from his prison forever. So, now the continuity note says that the events of Incredible Hulk Annual 14 take place between pages 7 and 8 of this story. And that uh, Doc Samson recounted the Hulk's origin, but he left out uh, certain facts, the involvement of the Russian spy, uh, you know, of course, this is for narrative pacing. And then Ramon's name is uh, completely revealed in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, uh, number nine, Ramon Morales. No relation to Miles. So, what'd you guys think? Nice setup. The story or synopsis? <laughs> the story. The synopsis I got from somewhere else. Don't blame me. <laughs> uh, I thought no, it was, but okay. I thought it was a, it was a good starting point you know because of course coming into it like i hadn't read the hulk so like okay i don't know what's going on but it's a good uh it was a good way i think for burn to get his feet wet by starting off his run good jumping on point if this was the first comic book for somebody it was a great great first book i thought yeah every that whole everyone has a you know first issue right every every comic is someone's first issue I, I agree. I thought this was as someone who, you know, read these books out of the back issue bins first. And I, I, I have to admit, I haven't picked them up, you know, in 30 years. Um, I was able to get sucked right back into the story, you know, and feel like I knew what was going on. Uh, we should point out that, you know, Byrne is drawing the I call it the caveman Hulk because <laughs> he's got the very pronounced forehead and um, skull you know, uh, giving him that kind of caveman or, or yeah, Neanderthal cool. appearance. Kind of a Frankenstein yeah. to me. It's mm-hmm. a little more Karloff, a little bit of a Karloff brow there. Definitely a big departure from the Sal Basima version of the Hulk. And, of course, this is, a, it's a little different from the Hulk that we see in other iterations, both before and after. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the, the the thing that, you know, nobody talks about, but there it is is that apparently the Hulk's got these incredible purple shorts that, you know, seem to be able to withstand anything. Unstable molecules. I think it's got the Comic Code Authority label inside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That copyright Uh, (laughs) She-Hulk. Now, the cover itself, though, is a great cover, and it's misleading and yet not. I mean, I looked at that cover, and I didn't think immediately that he's going to fight all those. I thought, okay, this is going to be like a history of the Hulk uh, when, I, when I first saw this. What about you guys? Cricket. Uh, re-seeing it again. <laughs> yeah. for, for everyone listening at home, it is uh, 1030 on a Sunday morning here. Um, so we're all still getting our caffeine. As I thought, you know, uh, looking at the cover that, you know, he was being surrounded, you know, because I, I and I know it's ebbed and flowed based on who's writing the Hulk. But, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, what attracted me to the Hulk, you know, but didn't keep me hooked was the fact that the angrier he got. Right. The more rage he had, the stronger he became. So when I see a cover like that with the Hulk, I just assume he's going to be fighting all of them. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, again, I was I was kind of like, okay, is this going to be a history of it? Because I just didn't see him to be fighting all of them. And I'd be mo- more excited about seeing him fight like Juggernaut than than the others. I mean, uh, you know, of course, the Abomination is basically that that mirror image character, and, you know, and then everything else is all the differences. I didn't realize though uh, that uh, Rhino. Um, I mean, I, I've read different books that had the Rhino in. I didn't realize that he was Russian too. Yeah, he was well, a, kind of a. Uh, but any time that Burn draws Modok is just just awesome. Now yeah, it I, is. <laughs> I've become uh, accustomed to a, a, what I call a new term as I've been reading more and more of the Elswen discussions. And uh, if you look at the bottom, there's all that ground up tech on the ground yeah. uh, of, of the front cover. Burn refers to all that as Argol Bargol. Are you guys familiar with this term, Argol Bargol? No, that's what he calls his rubble. When he's drawing rubble, when he's drawing brush, you know, forest, uh, you know, all the stuff that, that all the ephemera and everything that goes around the subjects that he's working with, he refers to it as Argol Bargol. And the strange mm. thing about it is, is that it's not something that he's consciously doing. He just lets his his hand flow, and it creates all of it. He can actually look away and talk to somebody, and his he, his pencil will still be working. He's probably got muscle memory that he's done it for so long that he can do it without right. And so I I, just, I I really find that fascinating. You know, as someone that's never been able to draw, this is a, you know a, you know an amazing thing. But uh, I again, got a tip for you. Yeah. The um, keep an eye on that wreckage and that uh, particularly the debris. Frequently, you'll be able to see, if not patterns, you'll be able to see words. Or mm-hmm. names, or other things hidden or in that. Rub, uh, Barney Rubble in the rubble, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I'm going to keep an eye out for it here. I actually didn't look for that on my reread, but um, of course the, uh, the the things that we got reintroduced to, um, Betty Ross, Doc Sampson, uh, they didn't really they didn't bring Rick Jones back early. Uh, they did bring him back later, but uh, but you know getting Betty and um, Doc Sampson of course is good. And if does anybody remember um, the woman that Doc Samson apparently had a date with? She shows up elsewhere in 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 the Marvel universe. I'm I'm trying to remember where that was. I don't I don't. This is my kind of my first introduction to not I knew of Doc Samson, but this is the first I think book I've read with him in it. And I and from rereading these, I couldn't remember why. I went back and kind of read some old issues like his origin issue and stuff, why he was kind of obsessed with the Hulk. Because at this point, if you hadn't been reading it, these people think the Hulk's gone. He's been gone for, you know, what, 12 issues. And so maybe it's been a year. I don't know how long he's been two, gone. From two Earth. years. Two years? Two years, yeah. So that's really expanded time. Uh, well, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. It was, it, was, it was barely one year. My bad, my bad. So, so it was a year real time and maybe a year in universe time anyway. So they think the Hulk's gone, and now suddenly he's reappeared. So I didn't understand why Samson felt he was kind of obsessed with him. I know he was—he's been a foe of the Hulk off and on. So we covered the that annual uh, that we did with Kirk, that where he was uh, at Gamma Base and trying—I guess trying to deal with it again, trying to you know merge the Hulk. What are you trying to do? But. Well, Sam, Samson, you know, he's a psychiatrist and, and he's obsessed with, you know, um, curing Banner. Uh, you know, he believes that he's capable of, and we see it, you know, as the issues progress here. Although, instead of it being a, a, a mental cure, we get it as a, you know, a physical cure. 
um, that he could somehow uh, save Banner by taming the Hulk. So I think that's where his obsession comes from. Yeah, there's a sense of responsibility there. Does anybody recall yeah. how Samson got his powers? I, I, you know, wasn't into the Hulk enough to know. He, uh, I just read that last night. He, he, he actually cured the Hulk with a, camera what it's called, it's like a Cathrex tube or something he created, that he was able to siphon off some some of, he called it his psychic power, some something off of Ban, uh, the Hulk, yeah. to cure Betty because at that point I think Betty was uh, crystallized or something. So he cures Betty and cures Banner at the same time. Well, he realizes he's got all this extra energy, Hulk energy in this thing, because it doesn't need that much to cure Betty. And he's thinking, well, what if I expose myself in a controlled manner? I might be able to get the same power. And he does. He zaps himself. And, of course, he becomes you know, a big muscled, green-haired, long-haired guy. Uh, and he kind of immediately goes out and buys himself a costume and decides – uh, I'm just gonna be a superhero, and then, as you do, as you do, as right? you do, yeah, as you do, and he starts kind of dating Betty, and then Banner. That's uh, kind of a jerk it's, move. It is, and Banner gets jealous and decides to go back, and you know he was cured of the Hulk. He goes back and exposes himself and becomes a Hulk again, and then they have a big, you know, typical Marvel brawl, uh, and then you know that's their that's their history from there on. You know who There's, wrote this? Uh, Trippy did the artwork. It was was it Roy Thomas? Yeah. Or was it Roy He's Thomas? Created by Roy Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Samson was not. He's something I always knew about, and I and saw visuals of him, and I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. But uh, since I never read the whole thing. Wasn't very familiar with the character. Seemed uh, just another gamma-induced uh, supporting character for uh, the Hulk, exactly. Uh, along with everyone else, and and just real quick on the cover, uh, I think this cover looks like it would have been one for a like a treasury edition. One of those oversized treasury editions would have been yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah or a trade paper. Cool. It does look like a trade paperback or a poster, like uh, Brian said. It's not really a. It is a scene from the. The issue, but it's more of a of a, a special cover that you would put on something. That's yeah. a collection. Yeah. So it fits for this, really, because it's like reintroducing the the direction that John Byrne is taking. Just like he like he when he takes over a lot of the books, like Captain America, Fantastic Four, She Hulk. You know, just kind of, hey, I'm just gonna make a great stepping on point, which is, and he does it in such a great way. <laughs> Yeah, as I understand it, the Hulk sales had dropped really, really low before Byrne had gotten in. That's why I was asking the other night if anybody knew uh, the sales numbers here. Because, you know, it's like I, I understand that Byrne's got this built-in 50,000 readers that follows him to every book that he does. So, like, when he took over West Coast Avengers, it had like 150,000 readers and he bumped it up to 200. Or, or more, you know, it, 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 and so I was wondering if, you know, what, if the, a similar thing happened on the Hulk, but uh, even with that, it'd be just barely over a hundred thousand. But I, again, yep. there's no, I, 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 we, we weren't able to find the sales numbers on that. Um, going back to what I was talking about though, with Samson, you know, it's like, I, I, I was surprised with the character Samson and intrigued by him. Of course the green hair kind of, yeah. But there was that scene in the page. As soon as he left the university, he leaps away. And, and at first, I thought he was flying. 
because I again I didn't know that much about the character of Leonard Sampson, and you know it, it, he does that that big leap away, and he doesn't leap like the Hulk does, so he looks like he's trying to fly, and you figure he's going to land hand first in somebody's garage. But <laughs> well, that, that was in my notes. I said this is the most inefficient way to get to where he's going. He's going to leap <laughs> the entire way, and he says it takes him like eight hours or twelve hours. Uh, yeah, 12 hours to get to Gamma Base just by jumping. Like, get in a car, get on a plane, you know. You know, you're just, you're just a big regular guy. You know, you can take standard modes of transportation. But I guess he wants to, yeah, you it's, know, it's stretch a little bit. You. I, I would like to point out in the first story, The Call of the Desert, mm-hmm. I thought the backgrounds were great. Uh, I think we've touched on that before in other books where sometimes you just get that blank slate of color. Not typically not from Byrne, but yeah. he's got very detailed backgrounds. And then his musculature on the buck, which, uh, you know, he the Hulk quickly dispatches, is just great, though. And a lot of artists have a hard time drawing animals correctly in correct proportions. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Byrne, Byrne must have got out some reference books or something at the time because, I mean, it is just spot on. Yeah, it just it, really looks good. He had to. Have and now Bambi truly is an orphan. Oh, killed both of their parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wow. did feel kind of bad for the fuck. Did anybody find that shocking when uh, the deer was killed? First yeah. thing, yes. Yeah. And the point of it is to establish that the Hulk is brutal and savage and unthinking. That was the yeah. That was the point that he wasn't. Uh, Byrne referred to him when he was written previously by Lynn Wayne and uh, some others as kind of Marvel's goofy. He was kind of a big, yeah, simple-minded, harmless guy, you know, just you know, not the rage monster. But that's was was Byrne kind of wanting to point right out that he just he doesn't try to befriend the deer. He doesn't, you know, he's not the he's not like Gamera. He's not friend to children. So he's he snaps, you know, he kills his deer just. Offhand, he's just slashing out. Think of the Frankenstein monster. Uh-huh. In the first. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a good analogy. With a little girl in the lake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Let's put a pin in this because I want to come back to this when I get to my issue later on. All right. Okay. okay. I, I think we and, should say real quickly that he's in Colorado because he was he was in another dimension and he was brought back by Alpha Flight in their issue. So he had a tussle with them in Canada, then he's jumped from Canada down to the Rockies. So that's why he's at where he's he's heading towards uh, New Mexico now. Yeah, Alpha Flight should have rethought that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and well, of course, there's the Gwen Stacy snap. So um, if the snap hadn't been there, the buck might have survived. That's right. No, nah, no, nah, the way he lifted up, I mean, it, it makes me think of King Kong. You know, playing with the 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 dinosaur the dinosaur's head after he after he killed it. Yeah, that's it. Well, we also sure. point out that uh, since he kind of came back in Alpha Flight, that the Alpha the Alpha Flight and uh, Hulk team kind of switched because Bill Mantlo was writing mm-hmm. Hulk. He went to Alpha Flight, and then Byrne went with from Mike Alpha Manola. Flight. Yeah, with Manola. Yeah. and they switched over. <sighs> but and I didn't was... realize just. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I'll just say about that. This is work. I think we're getting way off topic, but I didn't realize that Mantlo had. Uh, sure. <laughs> he 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 was involved in a car accident in the '90s, and I think he hasn't been able to work since then. He's had some yeah. head trauma, and I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, well, so, we've reached the end of this issue. <laughs> is that is that the 20 minute marker there? It is the 20 minute marker. All right, all right. 
right. Well, we, well, uh, we can just go. real quick before we leave, the uh, first panel of Chapter 2 is a great image of uh, Doc Sampson. Makes you actually kind of be interested in the character. I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and he's got a great he's got a great costume. And then to the final point, the one page splash towards the end of Doc Sampson knocking out the Hulk uh, had to be the talked about page of the day. Right. Because that a big was just, uppercut. Yeah, that was uh, no, that's not an uppercut. That's a right cross. Oh, sorry. A uh, hook. Excuse me, right hook. Because the right cross would be more like the Superman punch. But he curls his arm fully over, having the the left. There is the guard. That's a that's a, a right hook. So uh, yeah, but uh, great punch and uh, good cap for the issue. Uh, and it really is a great way to get all of those villains that we saw on the cover in without them actually being there. I mean, it was some really good battle scenes. Uh, Burn Burn didn't hold anything back. He he really came in. The pencils blaring and just doing a really great issue. <laughs> yeah, the battle scenes throughout this whole run are pretty, yeah. pretty epic. Yeah, and and the thing that of course that we don't we we didn't mention of course is that the the big part of the battle scene you know, now there's of course Doc Samson trying to fight the Hulk, but the Hulk fighting all the villains that he thinks he sees, and it's actually the mind of Bruce Banner. Bringing mm-hmm. all that to the forefront, so that Samson can take him out with that with that punch, yeah. uh, and that lets you know that Bruce Banner, in whatever form, is back. And that leads directly into Incredible Hulk three fifteen, which was on sale January first, nineteen eighty six. Uh, it has an incredible cover of of uh, a split in half Hulk and uh, raging, and a Banner inside screaming with the title uh, on the cover saying, you know, Bruce Banner, free at last, question mark. Yeah, before we jump into it, let's cover what else was was out that point uh, that where Byrne had some uh, work. He actually, I think he did the cover for Atari Force Special number one. And uh, Die Spien, which is German for Spider-Man 138, so I believe that's a reprint from, uh, it says it's a Kingpin story. It would be Die Spinner. Die Spinner. Okay, excuse me. I don't. I don't speak. No Sprechensi Joyman. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Four Special Number Eighteen. Uh, Heroes Against Hunger, and I believe that was the the DC version of the the Hunger Book where Byrne also did some work. Indiana Jones comic. Okay, that's a German reprint. Uh, then yeah. there was three different copies of the Incredible Hulk. Secret Wars number 13. Secret Wars number 13? Was there a Secret Wars number 13? That can't be right. No, no. (laughs) Oh, okay. Now, this is a listing for all of 1986. I'm sorry. January of 1986 is Captain America 313, uh, where he did the cover work. Fantastic Four 286, which is where they bring back Jean Grey and Like a Phoenix. Rom number 74. I believe he inks Ditko's pencils uh incredible hulk 315 freedom the official doom patrol index i think he did cover work there and the official handbook of the Mah- well, oh hot mood number two beast to clear now i'll shut up and let you get uh, give your synopsis David. yeah just again shows how prolific he was during this period yes uh so incredible hulk 315 the actual story title is freedom 
And uh, much like Brian, I, I uh, am not reinventing the wheel here because there is an excellent synopsis on the Marvel Wikia. And it goes a little something like this. The Hulk is restrained inside the specially constructed containment room deep within Bruce Banner's secret lab. Keeping him restrained in the room is Bruce Banner himself. When Banner vows to keep the Hulk contained forever, the Hulk goes into another rage and forces his way free. He tries to smash Banner, but misses, breaking the wall of the cavern and creating an opening to the outside. Bruce tries to make a run for it, but the Hulk leaps and lands on top of him. However, before he can crush Bruce's head, Banner suddenly disappears and reappears a number of meters away. Whenever the Hulk tries to get closer to Banner, he moves further and further away. This is all a dream, of course, in the mind of Bruce Banner, who is undergoing a nutrient bath at the newly reconstructed Gamma base. Man, that place has been destroyed and rebuilt so many times. The purpose of the bath is to separate Bruce Banner from the Hulk. The technique was invented by Doc Sampson, who has a news team led by Diane Bellamy. The process is an apparent success as an unconscious Bruce Banner is pulled from the tank while the Hulk remains inside. Doc Sampson explains that the Hulk is now a blank slate without Banner a part of him and contemplates the benefits to psychology from such a being. However, before Sampson can continue, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents led by Clay Quartermain have come to secure the facility. Quartermain explains how they are under orders to eliminate the Hulk. Samson is against the idea. However, Quartermain wants to make sure that the Hulk never returns no matter what. Smart guy. When Diane explains that her feed went live and she will report about this senseless execution, Clay explains that S.H.I.E.L.D. scrambled her transmission the moment her crew started rolling. The news crew are then detained. However, they are released later by Doc Samson, who explains to them that he intends to rescue the Hulk before he is executed. When S.H.I.E.L.D. begins shipping the creature out of Gamma Base, Samson forces his way onto the carrier vehicle, removing the metal dampener used on the seemingly mindless Hulk. Samson then takes control of the remote pilot vehicle. However, the vehicle suddenly crashes and explodes into a burst of flame. This was caused by the Hulk, which is far from an invalid. Without the mind of Bruce Banner to keep it in check, the Hulk attacks the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicopters that are hovering overhead and then leaps away. Not long after, Doc Samson emerges from the rubble, realizing his mistake, and vows to capture and destroy the Hulk himself. Later, at a nearby hospital, Betty Ross arrives to visit Bruce Banner. Yeah, that was pretty well, decent. Yeah, what did you guys think of this issue? Oh, wow. You know, I, I mean, first off, with the Hulk in that uh, psychological trap, you can see, you know, what, what's what's kind of going on because you can see that Banner and him are basically wearing the same outfit. Mm-hmm. And um, then, you know, as the Hulk traps him down and he starts getting away, you realize, okay, that not everything is as it seems. It really seemed dreamlike from the beginning anyway because, you know, when you look at that first image of it um, on, the, on the second page, you see the Hulk is trapped in behind this huge uh, battering ram kind of thing in a cave underwater you know it's, it's every possible you know way of, of keeping him trapped and yet the hulk still finds a way to beat through it it's it's just not not real and of course it's hulk talking in old hulk speak yep 
Um, and all, all Hulk had to do was turn around. He could have got out the other way. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a pretty flimsy um, cave wall there. Yeah, that's straight out of the first, you know, the first six issues. Yeah, they yeah. had that built into yeah, this. That's where he would lock himself up at night. So I think this is it burns love for the Kirby era, the Kirby Lee era. And when it, with this first sequence where he's showing. Um, yeah, definite homage. Yeah. Now, the nu- nu- nutrient bath that he uses to separate the Hulk from Banner, does that make you think, you know, I mean, because they put this together within just a few weeks. It was eight weeks total that they had the Hulk unconscious. So it, it's like it's kind of like Gus Gorman from Superman 3. You know, Doc Samson gave his notes to the guys, and they built this thing for him. And somehow it was magically able to do... Right. Yeah, what do you want they, to do? Uh, yeah, they must use a lot of prefab stuff because this is the kind of stuff my company does. <laughs> yeah, we'll put up a an entire trade show in three days, but not for this not for this level of uh, scientific. Um, but I will say on page, is it eight? That's that's some wonderful burn tech. Yeah, and then all bath the, or whatever it is. All the technicians the, uh, wearing those special like spacesuits. Uh, it looks like you know it, it looks like looks like they got oxygen tanks on the back and. You know, sentinel type boots, and they look pretty cool. But who's the guy running around? It looks like he's wearing a Santa cap down there at the bottom. Uh, oh, the guy with the headphones on. I, I Congratulations, can't... you found Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's one of the news guys. He they're must, wearing headsets. He must be. Yeah. It's uh, and then there's an. I mean, the, the one guy in like the brown top, and he's got something on his head, and there's a guy in the green. That looks like he's wearing a, a headphones. I think it was a mistake that this reporter that's kind of, you know, basically given the, the lowdown and given us the explanation as to what Samson's doing is not the same reporter that we see later in the series. I think I, they should be the same person. Diane Bellamy, she's the same one that he takes the helicopter from. No, it's not because she it's, it had her as the first. Per, that's her first appearance is when he sees her in the desert. No. That, that, this no, is her. It's the same one. Is it the same one? Same okay, one. Okay, then my information's and, wrong. And I, I actually, you know, was really surprised because she doesn't look like any other previous burn woman. Uh, he's he's worked very hard to sculpt her jaw and uh, do her hairstyles differently from anyone else. So when Lois Lane shows up, Lois Lane doesn't look like her, and she doesn't look like Sue Storm or Jean Grey or she's definitely you know a departure from uh, other burn burn women. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, hairstyle on point, though, for uh, 1986. Uh, absolutely. Um, going back to that, uh, you know, Doc Samson character. So one of his traits, right, is that he he does like fame and wants to be considered right in the, in the high pantheon of, of uh, geniuses. My first thought when I got to that page was, what a liability and a risk, right? So you have no idea how this is going to work out. None, right? What if the whole thing explodes? Now, for Samson and maybe some of his guys, maybe they'll survive. But really, don't you think that's a huge risk having a news crew and a reporter there? Especially that close. <laughs> if well, everything goes wrong, shouldn't they be in some kind of, you know, bunker of some kind, you know, well, behind uh, you know, I, 10 inch plexiglass? Well, I find it interesting that that you know she and the technicians and everybody are down on the floor, but he's up above on the catwalk. Yeah. Well, it's coordinating. Well, that's where he can see yeah. what he's doing. I, I well, know. What are the, funny. It's, it's what are more the... like, welcome to Jarahulk Park. Yeah. <laughs> that's what great. could go wrong? Well, it's it's like in uh, uh, 
a Batman, uh, Batman and Robin when uh, Schwarzenegger's looking over his whatever his little tank is. He, there's no safety rail or anything. He's just over this huge freezing tank and he just falls in, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, where's OSHA? Right. So I thought Where, that was kind of amusing. Yeah, she's she's yeah. right up in the action, like like just a few feet away from these technicians, right, who are supposedly managing this process, you know, through pulling, you know, uh, levers and pushing buttons and turning dials and. Well, I yeah, think she, the bigger question is, but I think Kirk's already answered it, or uh, or or maybe it was you, David, talked about he wants fame and fortune. Why would he even allow a news crew in here? But he does want. You know, he would. He doesn't want the world to say, "Look what I'm doing." You know. Yeah, but they're all wearing me. protective clothing and gear, and she's in. <laughs> Nobody else is wearing anything. Suit. Yeah, yeah. I I find it interesting. Jumping a few pages later, there's a scene where Samson and the news crew and Clay Quartermain are all talking, and you can see just how tall Samson is versus the rest of them. That's the first mm-hmm. time you really get a good idea of his size versus the rest of them. I'll, and, I'll say that about the Hulk too. I think Byrne did a good job of giving us a kind of a scale of the Hulk that when he draws him, you can tell he is about seven foot. Now I've got to ask everybody else. Yeah. I, I, I got to ask one very important question. Did anybody get sucked into this Spider-Man Captain Crunch story as they were changing pages? And that looks like Ron friend's artwork, isn't it? Do y'all it know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't bother reading it, but uh... anyway, <laughs> uh, and I, I especially loved his use of Colossus fingers. Um, uh, when uh, Samson gets aboard the van that's got the Hulk. And do you know what I mean by Colossus fingers? Mm-hmm. From the uh, earlier X-Men story in, during the Dark Phoenix saga when Colossus' hands come up out of the ground. And uh, he does the same thing with Samson here. Though I'm trying to find out why Samson would need to wear bandages on his hands for eight weeks if he broke his you know broke his hand on the Hulk in the previous issue. I don't know. That, that's a nice, nice continuity, but... To point that out. Yeah, he should have healed a lot faster than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, more importantly, is how could he precisely know to dig this tunnel to, where, <laughs> to know and, and know exactly when this 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 uh, this big van's coming by? Yeah. Well, it's, this is this is comic logic. It is comic, right? exactly. You yeah. know, we we get the sense that this this um, armored transport vehicle that the Hulk is in, because what what we're talking about is towards the end of the book. Um, Shield is taking Hulk away in this mm-hmm. armored transport vehicle, uh, flanked by two uh, helicopters. And as they're speeding away, uh, Samson reaches up out of the ground, straight up through the, the the asphalt, grabs a hold of this transport vehicle, which, by the way, doesn't move it at all to the left or right or show any sign that. <laughs> It's affected it. in any yeah in any way, which you know that's almost un, you know, unbelievable. You know he he's he's stopped and this thing is speeding along and he can just grab onto it without any repercussion to the the stability of the vehicle. But anyway, he he does and you know he uh, he uh, rips into the vehicle and, and finds the uh, unconscious Hulk there or what do you call it the neuro neutralizer yeah yeah <laughs> there's that's definitely a star trek throwback for burn mm-hmm. uh, now samson himself weigh he's six six weighs 380 pounds even so he, he does the indiana jones thing I, I you know you can go back and forth on that um but i i just find it was a really i thought it was a really good scene 
Well, I think we should say that in the story, Samson says he thinks now that the, the idea is that they've separated him. So the Hulk is a blank slate. Right. There's right. nothing in there. He's just a he's just a body with no no mind. And he thinks that the Hulk can be reeducated or retrained to be a functioning uh, member of society. Basically, he thinks he can save him. So that's why he thinks, well, Shield's just going to take him and. And they're either going to kill him or lock him away. So I've got to save this this guy because it's not really his fault. So then he does one of the stupidest things in comics, and he lets loose the Hulk, thinking, you know, the best of intentions. Yeah. But he unleashes this rage, mindless rage monster onto the world. And then the Hulk, the first thing the Hulk does is kill. I mean, can we agree that he killed these guys in the copter? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Without now, a doubt. I don't know about you guys, but aside from the deer, I don't think I've ever read or seen the Hulk kill anything human in all the years that I was aware of it. And, and, and it's that naivete of, of a young man that superheroes, as a rule, don't kill. Um, and I know that in the 80s, we started, of course, you know, the Punisher came about in the 70s, but the Punisher was an anti-hero. Wolverine, of course, was also an anti-hero. And we know that he killed uh, or at least cut pretty bad some people. But I had never seen, you know, anything like this where, you know, the Hulk actually killed somebody outright. Well, I think See, that's... For... Oh, go ahead, Dave. Well, for me, I, I always, well, I always thought that the Hulk was just unbridled rage right going back to that whole mm -hmm. maybe he was going to fight all of these villains at the same time because the angrier he gets the stronger he gets right, right you know so it's it's kind of one of those things to me that it's your fault if you get in the way of the hulk and i'm pounding on my desk here <laughs> um <laughs> yeah because <laughs> um, truly he he is you know that unbridled frustration Right, that we all feel, right? That's how his character is supposed to connect to us. And he just can rampage through whatever is put in front of him. So to, to me, these guys being a casualty, it's their own fault. They didn't beat it out of there immediately. Well, it's like, it's like Godzilla. It's, he's kind of yep. a force of nature. He's you. Uh, and I think that also that when, you know, he's always, that's the tragic nature of the Hulk that comes in, that he is this kind of childlike being that has immense power. So sometimes he, destroys things without realizing he's doing he and he he reacts to his emotions instantly so that's always been he's always he would always rear up whenever banner had come up would come up with something to finally cure himself and then something would happen the hulk would misunderstand it and destroy it so then banner's you know stuck again so that's the kind of the tragic nature of it but yeah you're right i think burn is definitely trying to show here that maybe he's showing what we never had seen before in the comics that I'm sure there were collateral damage guys died, but yeah. uh, he's just showing it on screen that the Hulk is, and especially since this is a mindless Hulk. And just to give you an think. idea of Doc Samson's perspective on this, you know, the, the Hulk does that and then leaps away. Samson comes up out of the wreckage. And the first thing he tries to do is fix his hair. <laughs> oh, it's, now he gets sent off. This that that page. I mean that that shot of him messing with his hair though looks uh -huh. like the colorist and and <laughs> just there's something so wrong with that one image. Everything else is right uh, in the book, but it looks like he's almost got seven or eight fingers rather than just. And again, it goes back to the colorist uh, didn't get in there right. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you guys because I've got it in my notes about the previous issue was uh, inked by. Uh, 
Bob Wyachek. By Wyachek. This is Burn, and I've got as Keith Williams is doing additional inks, and sometimes they right. list him as doing background inks. Yeah. But the inking seems a little different than the previous issue. It seems a little Absolutely. sketchier. Did you guys pick up on that? Yeah, but I liked it. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike it. It's just it's it was mostly to me in the cross hatching that he's done when he's trying to define a form. Mm-hmm. And that looks a little not quite as crisp and clean as burn usually is. So well, the, maybe the that's thing the I'll say is that what I when I redid this in the omnibus and I was looking at it, it is so much cleaner uh than it than it was actually in the book. And it's not you know, ruined like the digital um copies of it. Uh, and and so in that the these these other issues, the 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 coloring is so much better. I think someone had to go back and recolor uh, everything because the hairlines actually look right, uh, especially where the Hulk is concerned. And even Samson's hands and the hair looks better uh, in that one scene where he's you know decided to fix his hair. Well, the thing about his hair, I was looking on Wiki, is apparently. <laughs> Way back when they first graded him, his power diminished when his hair is cut. Well, it makes sense. I mean, giving it to yeah, the biblical Samson. Yeah. Yeah, that goes that goes away pretty quickly though. Was that the ding? Did we hear the ding? Okay. But I think we covered this one pretty good. Any any last thoughts on it? Uh, I've got a last thought, but I'm gonna bring it up in the next issue because it actually pertains to the next issue. Okay, so the next one, of course, is Tim. And, I want uh, to say this this cover three fifteen is pretty iconic, and when I get to my story about talking to Burn at a convention, we're going to talk about this. Well, and I know that David wanted to say something about the cover, and I kind of cut him off, and I'm sorry. Did you you had something you wanted to say about the cover? No, just take another minute, Dave. David? No, no, no. It's I I I got out what I wanted to say because I know that cover was actually two drawings on separate pages put together. Because he draw, drew the Hulk first and then had to split it and then draw a banner so they could put the, the one underneath and then, and then make the the tear marks, so to speak. Yeah. I'd like to, I don't know if it, what, what the relevance is to it, but point out that the Hulk in the uh, the corner Marvel logo, mm-hmm. that's the Basima Hulk, isn't it? Yeah. That's the, not... Again, it's one of those things where it just seemed like, you know, someone had decided not to buy in on Burn when he came in. Because it just uh, seemed like maybe, maybe it was going to change later. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, those, those upper boxes they sometimes stayed there for a very long time because that's what people were used to. So sometimes it took a while to get those and changed. It's, and I it's think. stock art; they don't have to yeah. have somebody redraw really it. They just pull it out of the file and t- you know, tape it on. All right, we ready for uh, three sixteen? You want me to tell you what's coming out that month, or do you? Have I've got that. that. I've okay. already got it. Excellent. Have that. Did my homework. All right. Uh, well, we're going to cover Hulk 316. The story is called Battleground. Uh, script art inks is John Byrne. Cover arts John Byrne. Additional inks, which we I assume is background inks, is Keith Williams. Color is Andy is it Yankus. Mm-hmm. Uh, lettering is Rick Parker. Our editor is, of course, the late great Denny O'Neill, and our uh, big Kahuna is Jim Shooter. Uh, this is Mar- I think as uh, Brian has already mentioned, it's reprinted in Marvel Superheroes number three. From '94, and of course, Hulk Visionaries, uh, John Byrne, 2008. That's that's a great book if anyone wants to pick it up. Uh, what I have for other art, uh, Byrne work is uh, Epic Illustrated 34. He was a writer, and I couldn't find out what 
story he was involved with. And he did Fantastic Four 287, Prisoner of the Flesh. That was the She-Hulk one with Al Gordon, wasn't it? Where the She-Hulk was uh, was being tortured. Oh, was that one? Okay, that one? Yeah. Possibly. All right. Uh, I wrote my own synopsis, so I'm going to read it. I'm not going to do the wiki. There's anything wrong with using the wiki. But I spent I spent at least five minutes on this, so I'm gonna read it. All right. So Tim, that's a great way to um, spoil our sponsor. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, we getting we getting wiki money? Nobody told me. <laughs> I didn't think there was wiki money. Oh. What do you mean we? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an intern. It does, you know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. We open with an angry She-Hulk. Bursting through hospital doors, wanting to see her cousin, Bruce Banner, who was separated from the Hulk, see last issue, and is now in a coma. Cut to a mindless Hulk who was up to his biceps and rubble. Or what'd you call it, Brian? Barney? No. Uh, Argo-bargle. He's up to his biceps and Argo-bargle. He has demolished the town of Stone Ridge, New Mexico, after being set free by Doc Samson, see last issue. The Avengers arrive to try to stop the rampage. Iron Man, Namor, Wonder Man, and Hercules get into an extended brawl with a mindless brute. Lots of punchy, punchy, run, run. We are treated to several pages of pure mayhem. Doc Sampson, dressed in a new red S&M outfit, interrupts our heroes and convinces them that they should let him go after the Hulk to minimize damages. We end the issue with Banner being given an experimental serum to bring him out of his coma. After a violent reaction, he awakes to the smiling faces of Betty Ross. The end. Smiling faces of Betty Ross. Smiling face. Okay, because it's nice. Yeah, smiling. Well, he probably okay, saw. He, he saw. He saw more than one face. Yes, that was. Uh, I mean, you know, again, this is. Uh, this was the issue where the flexographic printing was so messed up on it. Took me years before I actually got a good copy of this. But it. That's a shame because this is this is pure just gorgeous battle, battling it out yeah and I'll, I'll say here this this period of burns work i mean he was firing on every cylinder you know there there is not a page it doesn't have something beautiful to catch your eye um and i you know regardless of how the inking was done him and keith williams uh you know the you're, you're not lacking for detail you're not lacking for backgrounds and the scenes with the avengers are just so amazing. And that one shot of Hercules sitting there just pointing back to the Submariner is probably the most, just the best shot I'd ever seen of Hercules my entire life. You know, just the face shot of him. And I'm sure he's using Tom Selleck as his model because he made a comment about that in a Fantastic Four just a month before. He very well could be because on page seven, I swear that looks, Wonder Man looks like Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) You see it? Page yeah. seven? Yeah, yeah, Cobra. You're the disease yep. and I'm the cure. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention, that's a great shot of the Hulk, that face, that oh, kind yeah, of just mindless, mindless that little bit troll. of grimace. On, yeah. yeah, muscles on top of him. Even his chin has muscles. <laughs> this And this is the first, I think, from reading this, I realized, one, it's just a great, it's just a great fight scene. It's just an extended fight scene. But towards the end, when Samson's trying to convince him, like, hey, you know, one, he's being a little egotistical. He's like, hey, this is one. He feels guilty because this is my problem. I did this. I've got to solve it. You guys need to back off. And because they pull back and get that overhead shot of just all that decimation, that's the first time you get to see an idea of 
what the Hulk's capable of doing. You know, you see him smashed up in the past, but not to this level that you get to see. Yeah, he is just Smoke trash this entire town. Looks like the hell pits of Apocalypse. Yeah, because Doc pets, Samson yeah. doing things on his own works out so well, as we found out. <laughs> well, yeah, again, not, and I've got something I'll say about that when we cover all the issues. But uh, I, uh, I love Wonder Man with his jetpacks on his hips. That is so such a great carryover from the earlier when I was actually actively reading the Avengers run. I, think uh, I really did like costume. it. Yeah, but, and, and, yeah. It, and it's Doc Samson's worst costume i hate this red Ugh, and whatever this is <laughs> this is and, you know, what it is it's it's his own motivation i'm gonna wear an ugly costume that i can't change out of until i actually you know vindicate myself yeah, that's his penance <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, well he does have the the pseudo world wrestling championship belt there yeah, yeah. as part of his outfit you know i was going to ask you guys about wonder man because even as a kid i i have just not liked that character Oh, he's one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. Because what makes he's, him so so great to you? Well, he's the unlikely hero. Okay, he you know was was you know a guy that first off he was an industrialist like Tony Stark, but he was you know not doing so well. He was embezzling, and you know he kind of made a deal with the devil, the enchantress, to uh, to get you know superpowers. And, you know, while he's fighting the Avengers, he just realizes, no, these, these are real heroes. These are good guys. And he sacrifices himself for them. And he seemingly dies, you know. But, of course, you know, as with all the Ionic characters, you know, him, Nefari, and others, he was just in kind of like a chrysalis stage as, he's, as his powers, um, right. you know, reformed. And he comes back, and here he is basically virtually immortal, uh, very powerful on the level with Thor, and yet he doubts. He he has fears. He's you know got regular human foibles. He's not like your average superhero that that we've been reading. You know when you look at Hercules, you look at Namor, you look at Iron Man. They don't have the 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 fears and doubts that a guy like Wonder Man does. And it makes him a more human character, even though he's no longer human inside. Yeah, and then the you know of course his brain waves get taken and that becomes the pattern of the vision right and but, uh, and for me you know my pretty much my introduction to wonder man was in the um West 160s that's when i first started picking books okay. up off the stand mm. and uh and he was hanging out with the beast and the those two great were just stuff. they were great you see you just liked him not because he was a super for me i didn't like him because he was like a, a superman i liked him <laughs> Just because he was funny with the beast, and I like their 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 brohood, you know, and they're mm -hmm. just going out and and kind of being the um, a nice comic relief without being like slapsticky or anything. But it if, was a, a light, it brought a lightness to the a reality to the Avengers that was nice. If you like this character, you should read DC's Starman, the Will Payton Starman series that uh, Roger Stern wrote. Uh, the first two years of that is much like Simon Williams' character to me in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, again, you know, him going out to the West Coast, becoming an actor, and then you see every time Byrne draws him, every successive story, he's changed his style a little bit. You know, he's always coming up with the latest styles of what's going on at the time. Here he's looking like Stallone. When he gets to the West Coast Avengers and he actually sports a true mullet, not what Superman has <laughs> later, but a true mullet, ugly as sin. Um, and then of he's course, got that awful red and green costume with yeah, the jetpack on the 
on the back instead of his right. hips. Right. Now, I like this look, and I like the safari jacket look, but that's just because that's where I Ooh, started. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that is a pretty cool. It doesn't seem practical for fighting, but it's a pretty cool look. Right, right. Yeah. We should move on. Well, and this... I'm not a big Iron Man fan anyway, but this I hate this armor. I have always hated this armor. This is probably the coolest it's ever looked, but of still, course, yeah. it, it doesn't but... it doesn't help it that much. <laughs> See, and that's so funny. This is where it's great. Yeah, I like I like this Iron Man outfit. I like the the silver and uh, against the red. Mm-hmm. This is when I picked up. I picked up Iron Man when he went to the the Silver Centurion armor. I always thought it looked, it felt a little bulky Yeah, and it went crazy about the shoulder pads. But other I love that, the shoulder pads though. <laughs> um, I think I've grown to like it more, but a lot of people's point was how can he be the golden Avenger if he's wearing silver yeah. and red, but, yeah. and I'm a big Hercules fan too, by the way. So I, I really like the character of Hercules in Marvel comics. Yeah. Yeah. But Hercules just looks awesome here when, with Byrne yep. drawing him. And uh, he's also got the character of Hercules down uh, this issue and the Fantastic Four issue with uh, Phoenix, the return of Jean Grey. Uh, yeah. Both, you know, it, they Very both good. highlight Hercules in, in a good way. That it really gives you an idea of who he is. And you don't think about the old rapey Hercules that you hear from, uh, from the, the legends. So that's that's wow. always good to know. Uh, <laughs> that's always good, yeah. One last thing. The Hercules Woody. <laughs> you know the rapey Hercules, the the one that would rape the Amazons and others to get his way. And, okay, you know, thank that's, you. That's, that, that, that's the legend. DC Hercules. That's not Marvel Hercules. Yeah, but George was a, a, a slave to uh, history. Uh, now, did you guys? Uh, is awesome, guys. When you're looking at at this book, I, I don't know how you saw it, but uh, in there they've got a Fumetti page. Oh yeah, and, at the very end. Uh, yes, towards the very end, and it of course is. It's hilarious. John Byrne, Denny O'Neill, Don—is it Daly or Draper, uh, the assistant editor, Don Daly, and uh, the Hulk, the guy in the Hulk costume. It was the foamy, uh, big bulky Hulk costume, uh, and of course, you know, it's them talking about they need John Byrne to come in, and this is when John Byrne was cutting his hair in the in the buzz cut. Much like we saw in the, in the Star Brand uh, issue, um, and you know they're talking to Hulk, and Hulk says he doesn't grok, which, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember right, that's a a, a Linux term, isn't it? It's a Robert Heinlein. Robert well, yeah. Heinlein. Heinlein, but but I mean it, it's also uh, no, I'm thinking grep. Okay, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen the I grok Spock shirts? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But uh, you know, he's saying he doesn't you know get understand Burns, Burns' characterization and motivations for the Hulk, and of course Burns saying no offense, but you need a little goose in the innovation department, Hulk man, and I'm the only guy to do it. And of course Danny and and uh, Don are agreeing with it, so the Hulk just goes on a rampage, and the the bottom page, panel of it shows all all the, all of them down on the ground, Burn with his, uh, his tongue sticking out and his eyes looks like they're crossed or whatever. That's funny when the Hulk says. My rampages always make sense. That's what he was. <laughs> yeah, he was objecting to. And and uh, Denny's like, point taken, Hulk baby. Don's like, yeah, what they said. And Burn, where was my mind at? <laughs> and of course, Burn like... is wearing his flannel shirt, like we saw in that Fantastic Four issue on Assistant Editors Month. Hmm. I, what I picked up right away in in there was um, the cover to issue three seventeen is right in front of Burn. Oh, yeah, first, the Hulk yep, Buster, yep. yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, digging oh. Uh, O'Neill's like Panama hat. Yes. <laughs> a little less than five minutes left, and I know that uh, John, you wanted to talk about page eight. I think you yeah, said I something. Just, I just thought page eight was a great three-panel. Um, I no. do like Hulk's foot on Wonder Man's face, and you can see his toe. Just the Hulk's toe is, uh, you know, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> half, as big as his Wonder ear, Man. yeah. yeah. You can see that the lenses just broke on Wonder Man's glasses. Oh, he's going to be pissed. Well, that's going <laughs> to. Someone's going to be hurt because unless he's got a spare, because he's got those ionic eyes. Yeah, but you can yeah. see it, it, it while he does, <clears throat> you know, he's like, Lord, I wonder what the poor people are doing for fun this season. And something we we didn't bring up was uh, this is apparently the first meeting between She-Hulk and Betty Betty Ross. Yes, they've never met in the comic before, and they bring in the little the 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 little Bird does this through almost the rest of his run. It's little two stories. It's it's A story, B story, Mm -hmm. and the the B or whichever story is they can't bring uh, Banner out of his coma, and the the doctor has some experimental serum to kind of jumpstart his brain and he needs uh uh a relative or somebody to sign off so betty calls jennifer who's his only living relative to come in and sign the papers saying that the doctor can kind of try out this experiment on him and and it does it kind of you know he has a kind of does have a violent reaction but he comes to at the end and he seems to be uh conscious and he seems to have his intelligence and you know it seems that things seem to be going his way for once I've got a really it's a important great question recap regarding... of She-Hulk. Yeah. Sorry, Brian. No, I just saying I got a really important question regarding She-Hulk. Is she okay. wearing Donna Karan or Vera Wang? <laughs> it... And then uh, the shoe, those shoes, I tell you, you know, it's got the Roman straps and you know. I I like She-Hulk. I like this. I like the Fantastic Four She-Hulk when Byrne took her mm-hmm. and put her in the Fantastic <clears throat> Four. Um really bumped that character up for me and I was happy to see her here as disappointed we didn't see her later uh, in, in a very important issue which we can talk about then but uh, love the recap of her origin and uh, her visual is always good under Burns' hand so yeah. I just really enjoy uh, Well you never get a lot of, you know, maybe I missed it later on but <clears throat> we never got a lot of interaction between Jennifer and Bruce they didn't really share a lot of the uh the same issues did they they didn't no I, I i don't recall really seeing aside from that first issue of she hulk way back you know the original stan lee one um i don't know how often they actually you know in this era uh interacted not not often it well, you would think that in the issue with doc ock on the fantastic four that you would have seen some interaction since banner was there and she hulk was there and that was at a time when when uh Bruce actually had his intellect. You yeah. figured that there would have been interaction there, but they, and that was like her first issue into the series after if, after the Secret Wars. If any of you guys read the, uh, it's well, maybe it's four, three, four years ago. It was uh, a limited run on the Hulk. Bagley did the art. I cannot remember who did the writing, but he was going on curing everybody who had been exposed to gamma rays. No, I, I, uh, I, I haven't read any of the current Hulk stuff at all. This is kind of just about time I stopped reading comics, and it was... The most current thing that I read that it had the Hulk was when I, I read Old Man Logan getting ready for the movie, and I really hated that. Oh. Well, he went around, he cured, like, the Red Hulk. He cured Betty being the Red She-Hulk. He cured 
uh, Rick Jones of being uh, the new abomination. But he went to he went to Jennifer, and for some reason he didn't cure her because I guess he thought she, she was lost. better off. Yeah, yeah, she, she was better off as she was. Not now, because uh, he was he, he was dying or something, and he was he called himself Doc Green, and he had Banner's intelligence, but the Hulk's power. Apparently, he had uh, some other uh, power power too. If he could cure him. <laughs> Immortal Hulk goes in, into the different personas of the Hulk um, because. And we haven't touched on it here, but it makes sense to just mention it. Uh, Samson is supposed to be as strong as, like, the Grey Hulk. And there are different power hierarchies, depending on which Hulk you're talking about. Um, So, again, if you like that, that idea of the psychological battle between Banner and the Hulk, um, Immortal Hulk... uh, does go into that even more and has those different personalities emerge. I thought, I thought Byrne kind of overpowered Samson a little bit. I didn't think he was supposed to be, I mean, I'm going off. Ohatmu. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. Ohatmu, you know, Byrne really didn't like Ohatmu because it quantified everybody's power a little too much. Um, yeah, we, we know we've got to get moving. But uh, it, like I said, you know, it, he he said it quantified the powers too much. It didn't leave room for you to you know really figure out you know to 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 you know write a story because you had to adhere to all these things, and it made it very difficult. Like you know, the first time you read about Sasquatch, how much did he move? Two hundred and fifty tons. Something like that when he had it on his plane, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's Claremont writing, of course. But you know, the 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 point is, is that. You know, it's like if you, you shouldn't quantify, you should say, okay, they're in class 100. That just means that they're, they've got a very high, you know, high strength limit. They're in the same class as, say, Hercules and, and, and such. Well, or, he, or, or Thor. In this story, he, he acts like, well, throughout this, he almost acts like he is his, he's almost equal to Hulk. But in this issue, Iron Man says, you, you know, you only have a, a fraction of the Hulk's strength. Right. Like, you, you know, you shouldn't go after him by yourself. But, that's, in one of these issues, yeah, they, they, they go on record as saying that his strength is equal to the Hulk at rest. Yeah. When the Hulk is just at his base power level. I think, so. that's, too, I feel, I think that's still too high, but that, that's just me. All right, are we ready for uh, three? Who's got 317? I do. All right, John. Lay it down on us. All right. So um, I also wrote my own uh, synopsis. Guys, I, so fancy. Even well, I kind now, of forgot about where to find one, but that's okay. Now so all these, in, of course, have the same creator as uh, from three six three sixty three fifteen on. They're, they're the all same. they're all the same creators, and John Byrne and Keith Williams doing the inking, and Andy Ankis coloring, and was it Glennis Wine? No, Andy Ankis was coloring, and then who was lettering? Rich Farmer. Rich Farmer. At least he did my issue. Yes. Yes, and Denny O'Neill, of course, is the editor, and Don Daly is the assistant editor. I'll shut up now. Do you, do you want me to go over Mar- uh, what, what else came out, though? So, yeah, this is cover dated March 86, but it was on sale December 10th, 1985. Ooh. We had... And it, go ahead. I was going to say, um, Mike's Amazing World says that it's only been reprinted in um, John Byrne Hulk Visionaries trade paperback. I think there was that one other that Tim mentioned. That had some other stuff in it as well. Um, but it also, that month, we had Fantastic Four 288, Full Circle, uh, an X-Men reprint, 
the Incredible Hulk, and then just what was in Ohatmu. So uh, low put out month burn. Come on, get busy <laughs> because he's got someone Back else in. inking him on Fantastic Four as well. But this is also when he is in the background doing his prep work for Superman, meaning six issues of Man of Steel and uh, the cover of Who's Who in the DC Universe. So he's got all that going in the background, starting to percolate. I'll yeah. shut up now. <laughs> okay. So after a few weeks uh, from his recovery, Bruce Banner decides to form a team to destroy the now-separated Hulk fr- with a project called Project Hulk Busters. So Bruce has assembled a team of out-of-work experts in various fields common to that kind of a teamwork. So there he had a demolition expert, a marine biologist, a very tough guy, a biologist, and a geophysicist geophysicist expert um, the new team members are in the dark and not so keen on being brought to a secret government facility without knowing what's going on bruce explains his reasons cue the origin story and betty ross shows up as co-manager meanwhile doc sampson with his luxurious green locks uh, being returned is off to hunt down the hulk he bumps into a re- bumps back into reporter diane bellamy uh, she was the uh, – oh, <laughs> I had a note. Was she the reporter for the new Teen Titans back against Brother Blood? But no, that was Bethany Snow. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so before Doc can get uh, get her discouraged from following around in her little uh, two-person helicopter and uh, uh, camera setup, the Hulk shows up and epic battle ensues for many, many pages. Cut to the Hulkbusters determining if they want to join this project. And there's a setup between um, two of the folks here, um, probably some sort of a romance in the past. We get a, a touching, a, a nice little touching moment, and then, the, then it cuts back to the battle. Doc and Hulk go, go at it. Diane is thrilled to have a Peter Parker view with a camera, and she has a camera battery that surprisingly lasts for a full seven hours. I'm quite shocked. <laughs> But okay, it's a tough battery. Cut again to the Bruce uh, Bruce's personal journal entry, uh, describing his life and his realizations and all that uh, being separated now has brought him. And then it's back to the Hulk and Doc, and Diana is caught in the middle in a massive upheaval of the Earth and about to be swallowed up, which forces Doc to make a critical decision: Do I save the nosy reporter, or do I go and stop the Hulk from killing thousands and uh, or and doing untold damage uh, i'll save the girl um uh so he goes uh saves diane diane wants to uh, go along with him he knocks her out with a nice little sucker punch to the chin and uh takes the hulk bus or takes the uh helicopter and swoops off the hulk buster guests decide to join the project and bruce explains his feelings to betty and proposes da, da, da. next issue baptism of fire that was a good. That was a good synopsis. Thanks. Now, Very dramatic. Yes. Yeah. Um, did anybody get the feeling like in Superman the movie, with that sequence of Diane Bellamy in the in the the avalanche, so to speak, where uh, she's getting buried by the rocks and everything, and and you know ca- calling out for help. It, uh, again, the, the, I didn't get it. Something weird happened to me, and this is back in the day. You know, after I finally got a good copy of this. 
and I'm sitting there reading it. And I, I also had the Man of Steel books because I got all these from Comic Book John. And when I was sitting there reading this, and it made me think of Superman, and I was taking a long, hard look at Samson's face, and I pulled out Man of Steel, and I realized that he drew the same face for him and Superman. Just the color of the hair made the difference. It's the same face. Hmm. If you look back over it, now not everyone, especially in the last issue when he's got that gritty face and he's going, Fishman, you know, he doesn't look like Superman there. But other other images of him, especially even earlier with his hair not pulled back in the ponytail, um, definitely remind me of uh, his Superman. Hmm. But that's just me. I, I could see that. Yep. Boy, this, yeah, whole, this book is full of argle bargle, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I do love the fact that he kept it in New Mexico. So we get this desert setting for most of these battles. And that's uh, having lived in the desert now for four months. Mm -hmm. I can definitely uh, appreciate the way this is how it looks. <laughs> yeah. And the, the fight, of course, between him and Samson is great. Uh, we do see a, a, an oldie but a goodie, a repeat of the Hulk slamming Samson down into the ground over his shoulders, which we saw that in Hulk Annual 7. Uh, though I think he slammed him down further in that one. Well, yeah, he he power drived him into the ground just yeah. that time. Yeah, uh, and I and my notes on this were, and I understand I understand why. Why doesn't Samson? He he relies strictly on his brute force. He's basically fighting the Hulk mano a mano. Why doesn't he? He's a smart guy. Come up with weapons or something, kind of the way Banner's doing it. But I guess it's more. It appeals to his his guilt, and he wants to do it more brutally. He wants to do it with his own hands. He doesn't want to have to invent some kind of a Hulk gun or some kind of a... Well, you know. yeah, because once he released the Hulk, he kind of uh, cut off all of his, you know, standing with whatever community was allowing him to get all that equipment. And so he, he's on his own. He barely had enough money to get a costume together. And somebody's, paying for that, somebody's paying for that costume. <laughs> well, you know, the, the costume is holding up amazingly well. Uh, you know, we don't see it really get torn up, ripped up. Even the gloves themselves he's punching the hulk full force and those gloves well, are tearing. and he's not taking you know think of the first the the first issue when he bite, fights the hulk he's getting like a black eye he's look like he's been in a brawl yeah here he's taking some pretty severe blows from the hulk and he's not showing any damage so i think he you know he's not as tough as the hulk he says so himself later in a later issue i think he should show a little more um yeah. a little more damage but yeah especially uh, after being crushed under the rock yeah, like that. What did you guys think of in the very beginning here when we're introduced to a conscious Bruce Banner? And I don't know how long this has been. This is, I guess, several weeks maybe since he's kind of come out of it because they've had a chance yeah. to rebuild Gamma Bays. And he's designed this really great chair and this outfit he wears <laughs> with some boots that he could not possibly walk in. <laughs> that's, that's a fashion statement for sure. Um, those are leg weights so that when he does walk, he gets good exercise. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, this chair, though, is really, really cool. And I'm assuming that's like a, just a ball on the bottom that can roll any any direction that he wants yeah. it to. That, like that's, how the Daleks, that's how the Daleks work. Yeah. Underneath that skirt, there's a big ball that just runs Why didn't Professor X ever get one of those, huh? Actually, actually, that's a Dyson ball. It actually cleans the gamma base at the same time. <laughs> that's great. And I love how he's got the Hulkbuster symbol already on the outfit. Yeah, he's not messing around. No. It's, it, it's he, a, and, and, but he's got the pocket protector there, too. 
Yeah. And he's kind of a, and, and I will say, you know, he, this is very Mission Impossible like, you know, I, I've called you all here because you all have a specific set of skills. Uh, <laughs> but he's, <laughs> he's kind of a jerk to him. He's basically saying, uh, yes. you know, you're you're blacklisted. You you work for me. You're not going to get a job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's it. It, it is. It's. It, I mean, this is a scientist, pure and simple. Basically saying, y'all are at the end of your rope. I'm the only person that's going to give you a chance out here. So, come with me and die. <laughs> right. Which is which is their reactions. Like, are you kidding? I'm not going to go up against the Hulk. And then they all kind of have a little heart. Well, the only two we really get to know more about is uh, Saunders um, and the Rocket. Yeah. But well, Rocket, I think, was supposed to be you know was going to be your main focus out of all those. I don't think that I don't know that he really had a whole lot planned with Saunders. As much as he did LaRocket. Well, that and uh, uh, Carolyn, because, you know, as, as John said, they have, there's an implied relationship past. there, a yep. past relationship uh, between those two. Yeah, Bruce's face on page four in that bottom right panel, I don't like. It's like, it looks very skeleton-y, like, <laughs> It probably would be. He probably, his, his yeah. he probably, you know, he says he can't stand, he'd probably be very, his legs would be all atrophied and he couldn't. Um, and he's got that Johnny Storm comb over kind of haircut that he he gave uh, Storm later in his in his, uh, oh, in his Fantastic Four issues. Did, for Saunders, did you guys get impression the way he's writing him? He's supposed to be kind of Southern or Cajun or Southern, Southern. I couldn't quite pinpoint the accent. He's got but... a y'all. Yeah, y'all yeah. had the whim whim whams for for Banner for years. <laughs> That'll explain why we're here, Brucey boy. I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be Australian or just Southern. Now I figured it's Southern. I've been around too many people like that. <laughs> Ugh. But uh, now, matter, what, what did the, you think the... of the of the platycopter? I <laughs> <laughs> mean, the convenience copter. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's it's a nice little plot device, and the uh, the numbers on it are, you know, a letterer's nightmare. And I'm not going to say why. I'll just say, you know, KL <laughs> I7. No. Yeah that's, yeah. that's like writing Flickr and, and then putting it into a pocketbook. It doesn't come out right. <laughs> I can see Jason Mewes reading that and just laughing. Well, it's, it's <laughs> as she says, she says it's, it's convenient that my my company has a gyrocopter. And that she can and fly I, it. And I know how to fly it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's she a, brings the most gyrocopter. Yeah, most unprotected vehicle ever in, <laughs> in yeah. this anarchy. That's right. Don't stay deaf while you're flying it. Um, just just no. the wind the wind factor while she's flying around there is going to be pretty hectic. I mean. But at least it has a joystick. Yeah. That's true. Now, and what about people. the Hulk popping up out of the ground all of a sudden? I mean, this is the one thing I was just like, why did this happen? Because, you know, the, the thing that we know about this Hulk is that, number one, he's easily, um, you know, it's like if nothing's going on, he just leaps away. Is this like his center point? Is this the place he goes to just be? And so, they, you know, they, they, they just happen to, to be upon it. I mean, because we know the Hulk his, is drawn to, to that area. Is this the safe space. Point? Yeah. It's a safe space. And they um, it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's true. It's it's kind of he's kind of contradicting what he's already established. That the Hulk, once he's 
you know, if nobody's attacking him, he kind of loses interest and just leaves. Right. So why would he, if he was, he, he says like he doubled back. Was he tunneling under the ground to come back and, and surprise and attack him? Or was he sleeping and they interrupted his nap? Or what was going on here? Did, did y'all like Diane's little um, uh, blackmailing thing there? Or guilt trip? And since it's your fault, the Hulk is free again, you need to let me come <laughs> along with you. That's yeah, right. Beyond the Avengers, who knows that it's his fault? I mean, as far as the government knows, he just went kind of AWOL. I don't know if it'd be a military thing or, or whatever. It would seem more like civilian stuff until S.H.I.E.L.D. came in. But, you know, he just kind of went off the reservation. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, don't know what they're thinking about him in that. Yeah. Well, I got to say that most of this book is a lot of uh, three to four panel pages of just great battle scenery. I <laughs> Um, just some really, and then the what is it called? Argobel? Argobargle. Argobargle on page 16 is like really, really intricate and reminds me to kind of open it up a little bit, uh, magnify it to look for all of those little burn uh, treats that we notice sometimes here and there, but I don't see any. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen any directly. And what I've really been, my, my attention's gotten drawn to in this, you know, during this reading is the sound effects that he's putting in, because he's not putting in a whole lot. But when you're looking at those three panel pages or the battle pages, you've got like crackoom, boom, mm -hmm. pow. And then when he does the, the two shoulders, it's palm, bomb, and scrush. <laughs> That's my yeah. favorite one, Scrush. Scrush. <laughs> and then Crom, and then when he slams a rock down on him, Doom. <laughs> there, there are not many people that can do those kind of effects very effectively, but Burn is one that's definitely you know been able to uh, make perfect use of them. Um, and he puts those in himself. It's not a letterer doing it. You know, he, he, you can tell they're integrated into the panels. You know, they're yeah. not an afterthought. And it, it, um, some of this just feels like he's just having a lot of fun drawing the Hulk. I mean, he's like a little kid. Let's just let's get my action figures out and have him fight. He's just having right. these two guys pummel each other, <laughs> and it seems like he's just having you know just a great time while telling the story. I do have issue with the, the reporter why she's wearing high heels in the desert, but you know, <laughs> I'm 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 just hey. a guy. I don't know why you'd want to wear. All powerful women like Dark Phoenix make high heels for themselves all the time. It's the drug sensible, thing. sensible, powerful women like Wonder Woman. They're the ones wearing flats. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That that that's no. Nah. But those are boots. Those, they those are, are boots. boots. And so the heels on they're the boots, boots, but they're high usually, heel boots. Let's be yeah, clear. but they're they're, not... the the heel itself at least covers more space than a real thin, small, fall yeah. through the cracks yeah. kind of heel. Not too much more, though. On page no, no. eight, you can see it's pretty small. Yeah. Might be a, yeah. like a quarter size. But, you know, I I had not noticed until our, our read-through here or relook at the, the artwork. What, did, did Samson make his entire outfit out of unstable molecules? Because it, yeah, I think you had mentioned it before that there's no – physically, he doesn't show many signs of, of the beating he's taken from the Hulk, which I agree. He should, right, he should – have some bruising, maybe cuts, you know, on his on his face or arms, but his suit stays perfectly intact. Yeah, throughout his, that other, whole fight. His, his other costume really got trashed, which I guess explains why he had to get this new one. But maybe he went to, you know, maybe Reed's got a side job where he sells. 
Unstable. <laughs> unstable molecule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from the, from the super powered being uh, Taylor in uh, uh, I don't know one of the boroughs of New York. I don't know where uh, the fabric district were, would be if there was one in New York, but <laughs> I'm sure they express mailed it out to him. Kirk, I thought we were on subject here. <laughs> oh, close enough. Close yeah, enough. and I. I always liked because Byrne was the one that really turned me on in, in the Superman comics to Superman's uh, costume being torn and, and tattered in battle. So I'm surprised it didn't stand out to me right away, but I, I didn't notice it in the first read through. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. If you look at page 18 at the bottom, you know, as he's going leaping in after Diane Bellamy and, and all the, the rubble and whatnot, you look at his, uh, his left leg his, at the heel. You can see where the heel to his shoe is. And I don't know if it's the coloring of this of this print right here. I'll have to look into my omnibus, but it makes it look like it's armored. Do you see what I'm talking about? No. This is like a regular boot to me. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's just that that reprint. Mm -hmm. Taking a look at the other one. And then, oh. and Samson, uh, you know, he's kind of been a, a jerk throughout the whole run here, and it did, and I think his feeds into his his obsession and his guilt that he. Basically, she's okay. We'll go together in our costume. He's like, no, and he gives, you know gives her a little, you know, talk. I hope he, I hope he can he can judge how strong he is because he's you know he kind of pops her in the jaw and knocks her out. Well, and, says, and, and look at how far back her head is. It's almost like yeah. he snapped her neck. It's like what? You know, when he, yeah, when he's laying her and, and he just says, okay, I'll tell your your radio your TV station where you are. You'll be fine. How you're here in a desert by yourself until they can show up. And in he the takes the copter and leaves. Gun in the skull. <laughs> Not even in the shade. No. <laughs> Hank, Hank Pym slaps his wife and gets labeled a wife beater. This guy, okay. <laughs> this guy does one little knock like that, leaves her out, all that, steals her copter, and yet, you know, nobody's complaining about him down the road. She should have been dead anyway after pulled, pulled the yeah. the, uh, the rubble, you know, or pulled, pulled the, uh, what did he do there? He, he dug down there. He, like, dug up a big... Yeah. yeah, almost like a rock cyclone there. We pulls everything up. She should be yeah. dead. Yeah. But <laughs> well, before we uh, before we move on to three eighteen, at the very end, we we you know Bruce is proposing to to um, to Betty, and Betty's got a new hairstyle. And what it's, I read is that she is modeled on, I guess at that time, Burns' wife, Andrea Braun. Andrea Braun. Right? Yeah. 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 I guess they were married. Maybe they're still married. I don't know. But no, they got I, don't, I don't know if it's her. Obviously, it's not her face, but I guess it's her hairstyle is modeled after his wife. Hmm. It's just a pixie cut. Yeah. Why do I know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're obsessed with Mia Farrow, apparently. I've got a story about uh, Burn that I could insert here, yeah. or I could save it to the end. As these books were coming out, the Mid Ohio Con was being held up in uh, Mansfield, Ohio. And I attended with about a half dozen other guys from this college town. When we were there, this issue had just come out. I remember the front logo. And Byrne was uh, doing a public presentation and making comments that very interestingly sounded like the Incredible Hulk run, which he had just started, was in the past. Yep. Well, when I was on the Hulk, I, I had intended. And the Fantastic Four, he was speaking about that in the past. Mm -hmm. And we were all kind of scratching our heads going, what is he talking about? You know, these books are just coming out. 
I happened to ask a question saying, you know, were you aware that the, the, the concept of splitting Banner and the Hulk apart had been done once before, back in issue 127? And he quite honestly said, yeah, I've heard that, but I had no idea. Well, okay, being charitable, there's no reason to expect that a writer has read everything that has ever been done with the character. So I can let him off the hook there. But I would have thought that somebody, an editor or someplace, would say, you know, John, we've done this before. Um, you know, you need a different angle on it, or, you know, you need to be aware that the fans are going to spot that this has been done before. Anyways, the news broke the very next week in CBG newspaper that John Byrne was doing Superman. So his comments, since it hadn't been, it was public knowledge, but it wasn't public knowledge yet. It was going through the industry through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But the fans had not been told that he had left the Hulk, that he had left the FF. So since books were being done two to three months in advance, at the point that he was making his appearance, he was already off the book. And so his comments didn't make sense, but it was very clear from his perspective that this was in the past for him, that he had moved on. And it was really disconcerting because a lot of the people in the audience just didn't know where he was coming from. And And that's that's, the end of my story. Well, the thing is, I've heard this story from other people, and it's actually out there on the web, other people talking about this particular thing. Nobody had the wherewithal to ask him, why are you saying this? Because I think if anybody had just asked him outright about that, why are you speaking about it in the past, he probably would have said at least that he left the books. But he, you know, I mean, nobody ever just flat out asked him. He may have been also restrained by DC's publicity department saying, okay, we're not going to announce it until the first of next yeah, month. Or something that, to that effect. The, the but, DC part of it, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that when he, when he left Hulk, he left Hulk in, in, um, you know, for the, at least the reasons that he says um, in the quote. I, I mean, it's basically, you know, he had a taxi cab ride with Jim Shooter and uh, Bill Mantlo was there and they were talking about no, Bill Mantlo wasn't there. I'm sorry. He was talking to, to Shooter about what he would like to do with the Hulk, that he wouldn't mind swapping with Bill Mantlo. And he, he said all the things he wanted to do. And Shooter says, that sounds great. You should do that. And so he goes to Bill Mantlo and says, hey, do you want to trade books? And so they did. And then a few issues in, Shooter comes back and says, you can't do that. Now, again, the story that I've, I've read there is, you know, Burns said, well, you know, you keep pulling this on me. I'm, I can't take it anymore. I'm off the book. I'm just I'm going to leave. The other piece of that was that when he presented the Marvel fan for the, the one that's in Marvel fanfare to uh, Denny O'Neill, that he said, you know, that, that there's two stories. One says that uh, Denny O'Neill said Shooter uh, denied, you know, basically wouldn't allow it. And the other one was that O'Neill never even showed it to Shooter and just said that he wouldn't allow it. Well, yeah, I'd heard similar that O'Neill might have nixed it, but he blamed, he told Byrne that Shooter had nixed it to blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd also heard that, uh, the, 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 I heard the same thing about the, the cab ride, that he, he laid out what he wanted to do with the Hulk and Shooter loved it. And then later Shooter said, no, you can't do it. And, of course, the two sides that is either Shooter changed his mind or what Byrne laid out to him in the cab ride, he then changed significantly so that Shooter then said, no, you know, this is not what you told me, you know, and nixed it. So it's it's going to be, you know, he said, she said. So 
Ultimately, what it, one of what witnesses it, is gone now. No, O'Neill may not have been in that cab ride, but we can't ask him anymore. Yeah, but what it boiled down to, and, and um, Jim Shooter made a, a few disparaging comments regarding Denny O'Neill's editing of the book. I'd heard that. He called him sloppy. Or he, and, and, well, apparently, I'd heard that O'Neill was was freelance writing while he was on the job as an so editor. It's a very, so he, he had of, a very loose hand on what was going on. I mean, yeah. again, if I'm an editor and John Byrne wants to do something, I'm kind of thinking, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's not going to go off the rails too much, and I'll take a look and see if anything needs to be changed. But, I mean, unless, you know, you see him strangling Betty Ross to death, you know, you, you're probably going to let him just go. Yeah, but that would sell books. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> Oh my gosh, like a dark fast. Okay. <laughs> All right, shall we reset the clock as we yes, move forward? Yes, I, I have reset the clock. Okay. We want to uh, take a bathroom break. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a, a quick promo break here. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in just uh, right after this promo with what are we on next? Is it 318? 318. Yeah, I'm, I'll do the, I'm doing the coverage in that. All right, we'll be back in just a few. My name is Grundy, born on a Monday. The following recording was taken from an NSA wiretap of a back to the men's taping. No names have been changed. Everyone is guilty. Do I need mine or am I good where I'm at? Well, now you do. <laughs> if I have mine, you have yours. You might want to yours only if you do have it set to automatically because you don't want it to automatically because the thing never works right. Because what will happen is it'll be used to you at a particular t and then if you go out of that it scrambles to uh, a and it doesn't fast enough. So it's better to just set it up. Oh, okay. It, do, it really doesn't work well. So I checked, right. uh, I checked my, uh, mm -hmm. my pro okay. it definitely built, built me for the hotel for all three of us. Join back to the bins every week for goodness. Solomon Grundy hate voiceovers. Yeah, play it. Come on. Play it loud. Play it loud. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And transpire out. Freak. Two. The circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. True! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, shit. It's a super prize package worth $9,300. This isn't the biggest bag over the head punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God that lucky didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You 
And we're back, and we are about to cover a new issue 318, and I've got the heavy lifting for that, so anybody has anything to further uh, comment, I will get into it. Do you have the other books? I've got the other books. Good. Okay, this is uh, Hulk, Incredible Hulk 318. Uh, The story is called Baptism of Fire. Uh, I forgot to do this in my other one, but I'll correct it here. The cover date is April 1986. Sale date is January 7th, 1986. Uh, 32 pages, and uh, the cover is 75 cents. The, it jumped from 65 cents to 75 cents during his run. Our script pencil inks are John Byrne. Uh, cover art is John Byrne. Additional inks are Keith Williams. Coloring, Andy Yankus, Rick Parker's lettering. Daniel Neal, editor, and Jim Shooter is editor-in-chief. Uh, this is also reprinted in Marvel Superheroes Magazine number five, and Hulk Visionaries John Byrne, which we've already covered. Uh, other Byrne books are Fantastic Four 289, Rip Wide the Sky, and I have that he did G.I. Joe, the cover, G.I. Joe 35, and the cover for Marvel Age 37. Do you have anything else that I missed on there, Brian? Uh, no, you're good. Okay. All right. And our synopsis goes like this. At Hulkbuster base, Betty Ross is startled by a giant holographic image of the Hulk that Bruce is studying the physical changes of the Hulk over the years. Banner feels it's his responsibility to hunt down the Hulk. We cut to Doc Samson attacking the Hulk in the desert. He pummels the green-skinned giant only to find out it's a robot, the Hulkbuster's training robot. The very same Hulkbusters arrive in their ATST and fire Samson. So the psychiatrist battles the machine which, uh, which is split from a ground and air vehicle, much like Mogera in Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. The leg unit fires on the air unit, trying to hit Samson, but blasts the air unit instead. It crashes to the ground, killing one of the pilots, Carolyn Parmeter. Doc Samson leaps off while Sam uh, LaRoque, is it Laroquette or LaRoque? LaRoquette. LaRoquette. Really? Okay. Sam vows vengeance on the man he feels killed the woman he cared about. We end the issue with Betty accepting Bruce's marriage proposal. The end. Short and sweet. Yep. Good summary. Again, it's it's a lot of a lot of punchy punchy run run, and, and it, it it flips from just all out brawls to a lot of uh, in, you know interaction between the characters and more information about all of them. But this issue really did not make a lot of sense to me. Um, the the first thing is why if if it's if the purpose is to defeat the hulk right with the hulk busters um why why are they fighting samson why wouldn't they say hey he destroyed their robot (laughs) they they need to beat something and yeah i would understand if they stopped for a minute and talked right like hey you know like what are you willing to help us you know let's test out this technology right obviously you're not the hulk but if we can take you down or at least go some rounds with you, we know it's it's good. But no, they just right away start blasting and uh, 
as Remember, Tim said. These are all people that are at the end of the rope job wise. You know, they they they've been fired from every decent job there is for a reason. That's true. But this not great decision like makers. Yeah, this seems like this. You know, maybe the the reason they they take risks when they shouldn't. They go they push it too far. Um, I will say that uh, I was very happy reading this one that we see um, uh, his his uh, outfit does get tattered, torn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I did not like the part where he says so the flames. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, that the flames were too hot for him. It's like, well, wait, what? I, I don't really understand that. He he, he crawls through earth and rocks and can find a, <laughs> a truck on a right. on a roadway and accurately burst his hands through just as it's passing overhead but the flames are too hot you're right yeah. <laughs> you know it's like oh, wait a minute you know and that's that's the reason you know that he can't save the the one of the other hulkbuster uh, crew who's in some burning wreckage um so yeah just a lot of like weird you know, kind of, uh, like I said, you know, decisions, things happen, you know. That... Well, you would think that, that, and I agree, it doesn't make a, it just, it's, it's an excuse to get, get him yeah. together and to kind of have, uh, Saunders is kind of, you know, hot headed and, and give, um, uh, right. Sam a reason. Yeah. A, yeah. Sam a reason to, um, get mad at, uh, uh, Samson, but, you would think that if this is all government sanctioned, I mean, it seems like the government's paying for Gamma Base, it's paying for all these toys that uh, Banner has developed, that they would have, and they've got this robot that, which I question, why do they bother dressing him in tattered purple pants? What is, you know, just give him a pair of briefs or whatever. But they would have this cornered off. I think this is an area. Okay, here's our testing area. It's like setting right. off a bomb, a bomb. We're going to put our robot Hulk in there. You guys are going to go out and try to catch it. They would have some kind of air support that would. I would <laughs> I mean, think, Samson wouldn't be able to fly in with. Right, they would. He fly in and be like, "Hey, this there. is a restricted area." But, and that's another question: Is this directly after the other? Is this right after he, he took it from the reporter, or is he just kept her copter for a while and been flying around with He's it? He's kept it for a while, at least. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it's. I, there's several things I liked in this, and. You know, as far as the Samson bit, so there's kind of a repetition. When he sits there and goes after that Hulk robot, he does all the same things that he did previously that got him nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, you know, issues with Samson's waves, uh, way of thinking here. And it's just like he he must have brain damage or something to be going on the path that he's going. Well, he should. Once once he defeats, he finds out it's a robot and they say, hey, that was our robot and they fire at him. He should just leap off. It's like, okay, the Hulk's not here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look for him and leave these guys alone. But they're they like fired at him. Well, I know, that is, but, but that is a pretty cool ad at though, isn't it? It is very. Uh, I got a. Uh, I got an OMAC vibe from this, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. I mean, I it's, it's got the Ed 209 feet. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to see one of I'll agree with Brian. You know, it's it's kind of surprising for someone who prides himself on his intellect and understanding of the Hulk and Bruce Banner. He sure doesn't seem to have any kind of strategy. Uh, you know, typically when other heroes have uh, or, or even villains, right, there's some inner dialogue about how they're trying to outsmart the Hulk yeah. right, or strategize on how they can take him down. You know, not... 
typically not through brute strength, but just outsmarting him. But, there's none you know, of that here. And he the one thing right that in. we see in, in this book, and I wish that Byrne had done a little bit more earlier in the book, you know, Betty comes in and she sees that giant Hulk hologram. Uh, and then, you know, he sits there, Banner goes and shows her various incarnations of the Hulk, what he looks like currently. And you can see he's so massive. And then he shows her the original gray uh, Kirby one, which is beautiful. And we see more mm -hmm. of that in later books when uh, Peter David comes on board. But I wish that he had shown, because, you know, there was, there's at least, what, three other iterations of the Hulk that he could right. have shown her. The, the Hulk smash kind of one, which looks, you know, it doesn't seem to be as big as this one. And the, um, the trippy, trippy version. Yeah, the trippy version. And then, of course, the intelligent Hulk, which was probably uh, same shape as the one that he's showing here in the top left panel. But it's not as big, I don't think, you know, because the, the, when you sit there and you think of the Salbacima Hulk, you've got that almost Neanderthalish uh, yep. rounding of the mouth from up above and, you know, the the more pronounced eyebrows and such. And you almost get that in the gray one. But there were so many different versions that he could have shown. It's like kind of seeing Iron Man's armor. You want to see all of them laid out, you know. And, and you know, he gave us a couple things. He just didn't give us enough. But well, I guess this that's was, his thing. Well, this is, and I'll, I'll, if we get through covering everything else, some of this ties into where Byrne was going to take the book. Right. As you know, when he was going to continue before he decided to leave. So I'll I'll talk about that that I found out, which and that, that's all speculation. So there's no it's based on uh, an article I read from a guy that pieced together pieces from Burns uh, interviews and stuff and what he had written. So none of it's you know concrete, but um, it does seem that that it's almost like he's taking two approaches. That you've got Samson, who's really just brute force. He's not trying to use his intellect at all. He's just trying to beat the Hulk either he's trying to beat him to death or he's trying to beat him to submission so he can cage him or kill him or something. And then there's Banner who's trying to take a more scientific approach where he's creating these weapons and they're trying to, again, even that is still brute force because they're trying to blast him. So I don't know if that's kind of two, the kind of a dichotomy of Samson's, you know, his guilt ridden, uh, very emotionally reactive character because he yeah. reacts Similar way the Hulk does. He gets fired upon. Right. He gets mad. He fights back. Uh, instead Samson of being rational about it, seems to have some kind of video game mentality. <laughs> or, or no, but, but follow me along here. He knocks out the Hulk in three fourteen. All right, one punch knockout. And so you know he is set up in his mind. I can take out the Hulk with one punch. Mm -hmm. And so it's like coming back to a video game that used to be really good at. And you keep trying, you keep trying, you keep trying, you can't get that win like you did the first time. And you're like, what the heck happened? Why can't I do this? I should be able to. You keep doing I can't doing beat the it. boss level anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's, you know, it's like he he feels like he can beat it, and yet he, he's unable to for whatever reason. Well, and that's illogical. You know, if again, back to Samson's intellect, he he should already know right. that he, he can't defeat the Hulk. He's not strong enough to do it. But yet, like you said, he keeps going in just flat out against him, which is the exact wrong approach for somebody who's not as durable or as strong as as this version of the Hulk is here. Yeah, it's funny because you read his first his first uh, appearance when he subjects himself and he becomes, you know, he's all muscled up and got the green hair. And he goes and he talks about how powerful he feels. He goes, I may even be, he goes, I may be as powerful as the Hulk, maybe even more powerful. 
So it's like you get a little bit of power and you instantly think that you're stronger <laughs> than, than, than everybody else. But Okay. Uh, hey, you guys mind looking at page 20 here? It's the, the page where Samson has hopped up into the copter and the rocket's down at the bottom making his proclamation. Yeah. And in the bottom right panel, when he's sitting there, you know, he, he, Samson's going to pay in full. It looks like in that panel there's a, a weird geometric shape. There's a square or something. Yeah. yeah, that's probably something that didn't get colored in right. Um, I wonder if it's not like a little piece of tape putting something on there. Uh, <laughs> could be covering something up. Or I'm going to look at my... Because uh, it's also uh, on the panel uh, next to it. You can see a little bit of it. It's of fixed get... in the digital. It's not there, whatever you guys are seeing. The You have to think when Samson jumps back up, because he says, luckily, again, this copy could do anything. Luckily, it's got a hover mode. Uh, if he's hopping back into it, you gotta you got to... Time that jump just right, and you're gonna hit your head up to the blades. <laughs> yeah, but do it. I was like, how does he know exactly how <laughs> how high to jump without his head get, getting decapitated? Again, That's the guy found a, looks that way. found a speeding vehicle on a road in the middle of the desert. So he's quite good, it seems. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this episode, a lot of this issue seems to be just to give Sam uh, motivation towards because you know. Yeah. Sandra says, man, no oh man, that boy is obsessed. And he says, obsessed? You ain't seen nothing. Uh, it just seemed to give him motivation to go after. So now he's obsessed with getting Samson, and now he's kind of going to go off off target and not be part of a team player anymore. Um, but I don't know. I, I hadn't read anything about what he wanted to do with the Hulkbusters moving forward. I know what he'd want to do with the Hulk. I don't I've, I like the dramatic development. I I felt this was going someplace that Byrne was getting ready for a major theme or subplot here. I want to show you something on the cover before we run out of time here. When you look on the cover, obviously you've got Samson dodging a blast, and you've got the body of the Hulk whose face is blacked out. Is that, um, I don't have the rest of the book in front of me, but is that the robot Hulk? Yeah. Yes. Has the face been obliterated or something? Yeah, that's just the silhouette. that, that okay. particular scene is where he realized he had just taken out a robot, and they came and attacked him. Got it. For, for okay, doing, look, yeah. look just to the left of the blacked-out Hulk face, and if you back off just a little bit, there's a human skull. Yeah. Do you, do you see it? I kind of see it, yeah, a little bit. All right. That's all I got. Hmm. Well, now, if there's the cover, some... um, Samson actually looks remarkably like a shaman from Alpha Flight to me. That's right. That's very good. <laughs> You're right. Whereas uh, on on page eleven, he looks like Superman with yeah. ponytail. <laughs> Those gamma rays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the the scene where Betty is talking to Doctor is it Tanaka, um, and you know it's like basically in the gym. So yeah, obviously uh, the doctors come in and she's wearing a kimono uh, or yeah a, a gi. A gi, and she starts doing Tai Chi. You see the way she's stretching out her hands. And then Betty sidesteps her, you know, in, in her uh, Jamie Curtis mm-hmm. size outfit <laughs> and uh, starts talking about, you know, her relationship with Bruce. Um, and I didn't know that uh, Andrea Braun Byrne was the inspiration for the image because she does remind me a little bit of Lois Lane. Yeah. Uh, the way he I'll, I'll say just... Byrne does a nice job of her hair. I guess it's supposed to be kind of messed and sweaty. Yeah, and it looks it you know he that's a nice detail that she's been doing something. 
jazzercising or aerobics yeah. or something. Um, yep. And then, of course, her coming and naturally she goes and showers, gets dressed, comes to see Bruce in a nice lady die outfit. Uh, if you don't remember how Princess Diana was dressing before uh, the, the wedding, it seemed to be a lot of outfits like this. I hadn't made that connection. Yeah. But you look in the top right corner of that last page and, and that outfit, it's just like, it would be very tight up on the collar, too. Yeah. But uh, that, that's what it made me think of when I saw that. Because it's not a typical 80s thing, what she's wearing there. Maybe the skirt, but not the rest. And again, what do I know about fashion? And Bruce is now able, he's like the uh, miraculous recovery. He can walk to her. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know how he does it in those boots, but still. And again, we don't we don't know how how much time is passing. Oh gosh, those boots are ridiculous. They're massaging them. They're like they're like those um, <laughs> those orthopedic socks that they get. Oh, they're they're legs, uh, you know they're uh, squeezing all his blood up into him like with a with a like the socks you wear in an airplane. Yeah, compression socks. Compression socks. <laughs> all right, uh, are we ready to go on to three nineteen? Did we beat the bell? A, yeah, there's one. There's one minute left. Wow! All right. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the book. Uh, but okay. So wait, does anybody else have any last things to say about Hulk three eighteen? No. All right. So. Moving on. Uh, Incredible Hulk three nineteen, cover date May nineteen eighty six. The on sale date was a February eleventh nineteen eighty six, one day before my birthday. The cover price is 75 cents, page count 32, uh, writer-artist John Byrne, inker for... Now, did it say specifically on the background inks? This is one where the credits, I think, were at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Keith, Keith Williams did the background inks, so Byrne did the character inks. Uh, letter is Rick Parker, colors Andy Yankis, editor Denny O'Neill, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. And um, at this time... Let's see, that was May 1986. We had Fantastic Four 290. So very close to the end of his run there. Incredible Hulk 319 and Moon number 6. Yeah, wasn't 291 his last issue? 293. Oh, okay. And then he quit mid-story of that run, I remember. Now, he did did provide Roger Stern uh, plot information at least yeah. what he was trying to do. But, you know, he didn't just give him the full story. He let Roger, you know, figure it out from there. Yeah. But at least, you know, it was a friend. So not bad. Um, this was reprinted in Marvel Superheroes magazine number six, The Incredible Hulk, Beauty and the Behemoth trade paperback, Marvel Weddings trade paperback, and Hulk Visionaries, John Byrne trade paperback. So... Yeah, the, the synopsis for the story titled Member of the Wedding Inn. Yes, I did pull this from the Marvel Wiki. Uh, the Hulkbusters have uh, tracked the Hulk with Saunders using a suit of combat armor to face the creature one-on-one. As the Hulk tries to flee, he is attacked by the rest of the Hulkbusters in a flying ship with a rocket on board. The Hulk tries to knock the ship out of the sky. Samuel orders Craig to fire, but Saunders chokes, not wanting to repeat the same mistake that claimed the life of their teammate Carolyn. Suddenly, Doc Sampson arrives on the scene and leaps up to the ship and knocks the Hulk off with a single blow. 
When, when the Hulk hits the ground, Saunders begins firing on the Gamma Spawn monster. However, Craig is incapacitated when Samson tries to get back into battle. He is shot from behind by the Rockhead, who blames him for the death of Carolyn. While Samuel is busy with, the, with Samson, the Hulk leaps onto the ship again. Samson is willing to leave the Rockhead to his fate. Saunders convinces him to help. Samson grudgingly knocks the Hulk off the ship again, and the pair fight it out. When Samson is knocked off under the abandoned church, the Hulk loses interest in the fight and leaps away. When Saunders and Larroquette go into the church and check on Samson, he punches Samuel. Doc Samson once more warns him, once more, I love the way they get this worded, to stay out of his way or suffer the consequences. Simultaneously, Rick Jones arrives at Hulkbuster Base after hearing of the impending wedding of Bruce and Betty Ross, Bruce and Betty are happy to see that Rick has come to witness the wedding. Although Rick can't help but remark on how he still feels responsible for Banner being turned into the Hulk to begin with. Bruce points out that Rick has more than made up for it. He also reminds the youth that he's had an exciting life alongside the Avengers as part of both Captain America and Captain Marvel. And his most recent involvement with Rom, the Space Knight. Soon, Bruce is dressing up in his wedding outfit, and he confides in Rick, telling him that he's sure that he fell in love with Betty from the moment that they first met on the site of the Gamma Bomb test. Betty interrupts her talk, and Bruce remarks how beautiful her wedding dress looks. Aren't you not supposed to see a bride in her wedding dress before the wedding? Isn't that mm-hmm. bad luck? It is. Betty yeah, explains that the bad, dress... bad luck for Rick later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Betty explains that the dress was her grandmother's, and that gets her thinking about her father and the fact that since he's been dishonorably discharged from the military, she hasn't heard from him. She tells him how he made it seem like he committed suicide, but she hasn't heard of him since he disappeared. This admission causes Betty to break down in tears. Their discussion's interrupted by the arrival of Hideko Te- Takata, who tells them that all the preparations have been made and the priest is waiting for them. Along with Rick for the moment, Bruce mentions, along with Rick for a moment, Bruce mentions how he's considering finding a means to re-merge with the Hulk and keep him under control. Rick tells Bruce that he doesn't like the sound of that. Soon, Bruce, Betty, Rick, and Hideko are in the chapel. As the priest and the, and the couple exchange their vows, someone interrupts the wedding at gunpoint. Wait, I thought gunpoint was an actual place. You mean it's an actual thing? Dun, dun, dun. I, I mean, you know, you keep hearing how people are held at gunpoint. Yeah, I, I just wonder why do people keep going back there? <laughs> I'm kidding. That's an old joke from friends. Anyway. <laughs> um, Is it time to ring the bell yet, Kirk? <laughs> it's the I former resist. General. No, I resisted. <laughs> okay. It's the former General Ross who refuses to let Banner marry his daughter. When Rick tries to stop Thaddeus, he shoots Rick in the stomach. Having had enough, I wish he would have had enough a few minutes before, Betty lashes out at her father, explaining how he has ruined everything about her life ever since she became obsessed, ever since he became obsessed with destroying the Hulk. She tells him that Bruce is no longer the Hulk and insists that if he wishes to stop the wedding, he must shoot her as well. Faced with this, Thaddeus lets go of the gun and breaks down, explaining all he has ever wanted was for his daughter to be happy. Bull. I call bull on that. Anyway. While Betty is busy with her father, Bruce was able to perform first aid on Rick. Rick refuses to be taken away before the wedding ceremony can finish. Without further ado, the priest completes the ceremony, and Bruce Banner and Betty Ross become husband and wife. When their vows are complete, the couples kiss. The and Rick and Rick dies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got a gut shot. Rick never had any blood. 
Wait, wait. Gut shots aren't aren't as bad as, say, you know, getting shot in the heart or an ephemeral artery. It's incredibly painful, but you can live quite a long time. I learned that from reservoir dogs. (laughs) I thought you were going to tell you you learned that from experience. Right. And Rick is tough, remember, he's he's hung around the negative zone and been chased by Annihilus and all those guys. So, you know, he he can handle it. Did he, like, save the universe and everything during the Kree-Skrull War? That's right. Bucky, he was a Bucky for a while. He's everything Snapper Carr wishes he was. Yeah, that's, that's right. true. He was part of that, what, Newsboy Legion or what, oh, the Team yeah. Brigade? Team Brigade. Team Brigade. Ham Radio Club. Now, what did you guys think about the split image here, the two simultaneous stories at well, That was kind of cool. Um, and I'll, I'll say also something has changed in the art. Um, even though it's it's Byrne and uh, Keith Williams, it seems it looks a little bit more like Al Gordon had a touch uh, mm-hmm. on this one, the way the details are coming in. But that's just you know my observation. It does look a little less de- not detailed, but it doesn't look as sharp. It looks a little more rounded. I know that's not that doesn't sound make any sense at all, but it it feels a little more. It's a fuller image. Right, it's it's it has to do with like almost like the, a different type of brush or the or they're almost as if they're going with a brush instead of an ink pen. But yeah, that almost uh, mandroid type armor at the top of the first page and then right yeah. down at the bottom, walking through all the burn tech. Um, it, it 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 just seems like they changed something uh, significantly between the, the previous issues and this one. Who's this lady on the left of the cover and in purple? Did she arrange the wedding? No, that's Hideko. That's, She's one of the the Hulkbusters. Hulkbusters. Okay. Oh. I, I'm really disappointed here that where is Jennifer? Why was she not invited to this wedding? And why is Hideko that Betty has known for a couple of weeks her best lady and not Jennifer, even though she only knows Jennifer a little bit longer, but Jennifer's family. So no She-Hulk here. Mm-hmm. That, that's, to me, a weird opportunity missed. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out because one of the other issues, and it didn't dawn on me until I read this one, was Bruce has been giving all of the plans, right, to build all these different things to take down the hull. But is he not, you know, overseeing every mission? You know what I mean? Like, you know, the strategy and, and what tactics they're going to use because he doesn't seem to be involved in any of the actual battles or at least know what's going on. It sounds like he's taking a more Professor X kind of position, but he's not staying in contact with them. No, and you would think that would be really important. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, again, this guy right here is, you know, one sandwich short of falling down. Uh, You know, I mean, he he really could, you know, stand to go visit a Golden Corral uh, or a nice Chinese buffet or something. Well, you think he would be, you know, he's, he seems to have the you know, unlimited funds. You think he would have, like, a shield helicarrier over when these guys go out and right. tracking the hook. He would be, you know, at a safe distance up in the air watching everything and kind of coordinating everything. But, you know, he's not – maybe he's not – or they need at least somebody that's more of a – he can build the tech, but he's not necessarily a strategist. So maybe they yeah. need somebody who can implement what he builds to go after the Hulk. Exactly. He's a scientist. He's not, you know, he's not a, a fighter. He's not a strategist. He's not any of that stuff. But he's not invested even in the slightest to watch for, like, live It's his wedding footage. day. 
Yeah. It's just, <laughs> that is true. You know, true. I mean, well, and, and well, nothing to, will get in the way. To be true, there's no, you think there at least have been a conversation of, of that they that they would say, hey, Carolyn was killed in this last mission we not, you know, some kind of little <laughs> right. debriefing. Well, yeah. He didn't even care when Rick Jones got shot in the gut right in front of him. <laughs> Well, like, and again, you guys got to think, you know, they were all sitting there going, hey, Doc, it's your wedding day. We're all happy. Dude, dude, dude. It's the Hulk alert. And they all got to go. And he's well, like, they're not even telling him that, hey, Samson keeps showing up and interfering right? with what we're trying to do. You know, <laughs> this gyrocopter that will not die. Plotocopter. It's a plotocopter. <laughs> Whatever that, that either has a strong battery or it's solar powered or, man, he's a, he's got nice tank tanking up abilities everywhere. He's got some. Well, I, uh, JP jet fuel somewhere. Well, I will say that, that I did like Al Milgram's handling of the plotocopter and what he ultimately did with that later. I, I don't know if you guys read further down. I didn't no. remember. Um, what? I did, but I don't remember the copter coming I mean, in. This basically, way. all the fighting kept going on. All the fighting kept going on. They finally got somewhere with it. And then they're like, hey, whatever happened to that smash? And it crashed down right beside him, you know? <laughs> Just ran out of gas. <laughs> well, this does. I mean, we'll, we'll say, Bernie, continue. This is getting a little repetitive. It's mm -hmm. the Hulkbusters are going out, finding the Hulk. Samson shows up. They fight each other. The Hulk escapes. And I don't know what his if, if he would have toned that down a little quicker. Um, but um, I'll, I'll. I mean, I don't know. If I, I can go on kind of about what what I've read about what he wanted to do with it, or do you want to wait till after we cover Marvel fanfare, which will be our final. Issue. I'm I'm interested to know right now where he wanted okay. to go because Fanfare doesn't really continue right. this storyline. Yeah. So uh, Fanfare I actually gives us something that you, you know the, the and and do we want to I mean are we going to finish talking about this one first? Yeah, before or, before we do, uh, I just want to point out how cool it is that every page he flips the story from one side to the other. The bottom, yeah. yeah, it's like a zigzag. Yeah, it goes yeah, up, yeah. And down, up and down. And I yeah. did like the fake out with the church, yeah. Because you I see that, that church in in the battle, and then you see Betty, of course, you know, dressing down her father and everything. You go to the next page, and Samson has gone, or two pages later, when Samson gets thrown into it, you see he's gone into an old abandoned church, and it wasn't theirs. You thought the Hulk was going to come crashing in on their right. wedding, because yeah. even mm -hmm. the cover kind of says, you know, that's what's going to happen. It, yeah. yeah, with that shadow, it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Hints and that that might happen. Ross looks like, like he's a, a hobo walk, walking out of the desert. He's yep, yep. <laughs> I do love though Betty taking the gun, taking the clip out. That's and you, know, you can tell that she's a military daughter. She knows what to do with that. <laughs> do you guys feel that this is just a, the 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 reaction I got to it, that this whole speech of Betty's to General Ross, where she kind of I guess same stands up to him for the first time. That Byrne is trying to do a Sue Storm. You know, you know how when he did FF, he took yeah. Sue Storm for being mm -hmm. kind of the damsel to more of a stronger female or just a stronger character. And yep. he's trying to do that with Betty here, that she's, you know, I'm on my own two feet. And, you know, you've been, you know, you've been a, a bad element in my life all this time. And, you know, I'm not going to cow down to you anymore or anything. So that's what I felt like it's where he was moving forward with her to be more of her own person. It's he all that did. time she spent with Ramon. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. I don't, I don't know why I keep doing that. I don't know where that comes from. But whenever I hear his name, I'm just like Ramon. It's probably because of wrestling, a Razor Ramon. No, no, no. 
look back at Betty's history. She was turned to glass at one point. She was turned into a harpy. I mean, the character has been put through the ringer, but I don't mind Byrne making her a stronger Sue Storm character. Absolutely. I mean, he was really about good time. about doing that, turning weak, weak female previously depicted as weak females as very strong. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. I just thought that yeah. was. I mean, it's it's what they've done. Uh, I mean, think of the films that the, the two films, well, that she's in. They, 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 and the same they do with Sue Storm. They now suddenly she's a scientist with him, not just his girlfriend, who's the girlfriend to the hero. So uh, they can't do that, obviously, in the book unless she goes off and you know gets her PhD, which she could. I do think it's cool that on page, what was it eighteen? Yeah. yeah, eighteen. I mean, you do think that. Samson's going to come barreling through the church doors. That, that was that was a really nice That's a good fake, out. fake out. That's a good fake out. Yep. Yeah, I will just piggyback on Tim for kind of my final comments on this one. I, I did feel like it was getting old, you know, the shtick of the Hulkbusters and Samson and the Hulk. Um, uh, I already commented that I think it's odd that Bruce is not engaged at all in knowing what the, the outcome of the battles are, you know, real time. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Tim, what you had read. I, I almost feel like we should save that until we cover Marvel age. So then we can kind of give our thoughts on the whole run together. That's fine. And, with see, that. and see if what he had planned would have made a difference in our yeah. opinions of it. Okay. Cause I don't think it'll take long to go over Marvel fanfare. Does the priest that married them look like the priest that, um, uh, Paul Smith used in the X-Men against Cyclops with one of Mastermind's illusions. Do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know. What yeah, I do. Yeah, I thought I he looked a little Jonathan Kentish to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. I, I love mean, the I... scene in the church where um, LaRoquette comes in there and then Samson just punches him down. <laughs> There's something, you know, just funny about it because LaRoquette finally shows concern towards Samson. Uh, and then Samson just slaps him down again. You hate me, so just keep hating me. Very counterproductive. Yes, again, totally logical, rational Samson. And then our final page, of course, Rick laying there as Bruce and Betty kiss, and Ross looking dying, man. Floor, like, yeah, Rick's yeah. so happy that he, you know, of course he's he's bleeding out and he's just going to a for you now. He doesn't realize what's going on. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's like, Oh, shot. Okay. I've done that. Let's, uh, you know, the lights are getting dim. Yeah. It's getting hard to see. Let's, let, let's go get a pizza. Could Before also we go, be... I want to ask our, uh, our, uh, fashion expert, Brian, what did you think of Betty's dress? I hated it. I hated it too. And it's because it's got that, uh, Arabian desert, Shawl sure thing does. coming down from the top. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that was. I showed it to my wife, and she said, "No, it's a terrible makes, dress." Makes me think said, so okay. of all those. Um, what, what was that? Uh, Rudy, Rudy Val- Rudolph Valentino movies. You know. From the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just ugh. and it, it's not even white. It's I mean maybe it's white with pink highlights, but it's very pink in 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 what I'm looking at here. Well, it's yeah. her grandmother, so maybe right. it's. Yellow and age, but now the tux uh, is Bill Blass all the way. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I have no idea. <laughs> the, uh, the one of the reasons why they may not have the She-Hulk in this is she would be able to step in front of that bullet and protected uh, the wedding party. It's a good point. 
But okay, also, she to... was she was trapped in time at this yeah, point. Yeah, she was over in she the She was faking the Superman cover, if you remember, at this point in time. What? Mm-hmm. The yeah. Action Comics 1 cover, uh, if you look on the Fantastic Four that came out, I think that month or the month after, she's sitting there and she's got the vehicle and it looks just like Action Comics number yeah. 1. Yeah, yeah. So, so she's not really available. She and the Fantastic Four are traversing time, yeah, trying to stop Tommy Fury Whitey. from killing Hitler. So, yeah. Stupid. Okay. The chair, the chair That's a nice attempt at a real prize. It doesn't work for me. They can fiddle <laughs> the time age. around at a time. So your time has expired. Yep. Okay, so we are ready, I guess, to move on to Marvel Fanfare? Well, no, we want to hear what Byrne was going to do ahead of the story. Oh, I think, well, I thought we said we'd do it after Fanfare. Yeah, I think we should do it after Fanfare. Fanfare won't take long. Fanfare or Marvel Age? You used the other term. Marvel Fanfare is what we're talking about, and, and we didn't even talk really about the Marvel Age page, but again, it's... One page that was used between uh, issues 314 and 315 that Byrne and Wyachek did together. Uh, it was basically an ad for this this series, and and uh, you know Samson talking to somebody on the phone, and uh, it's before he separated Bruce and the Hulk. But okay. uh, yeah, you know that's uh, we can. I, I think we should post that on the Facebook page so people see it if they didn't get to see it when it originally came out. I think the framing device was either uh, Fred Hembeck calling around the Marvel Universe to see what different people were doing, or maybe it was editorial Al, but I I have a vague feeling like he's making phone calls to different people, and this is the one page that deals with our storyline. Okay, you want to move on to Marvel thing up here 29? Sure. Okay, uh, Brian... Do you want to share what else was coming out at this yeah. point, or is that this relevant was, at all? The, those cover dated November 1986. So Batman 401, A Bird in a Hand, so that's where you did the cover of Magpie. Uh, Doomsday Squad number four, it's a reprint of the Doomsday uh, Plus One stories and by Fantagraphics, and those are really gorgeous if you haven't seen those. Legends number one for DC Comics, that's where he was doing the art and... Uh, was that Carl Kessel doing the inks on that? The first time Kessel did inks on Burn? Uh, Marvel Fanfare number 29, Man of Steel number 3, One Night in Gotham City. So that's your first pairing of Superman and Batman. So it makes sense that the Batman issue would also coincide with that. And uh, then, of course, uh, Man of Steel coming out every two weeks. So you have Man of Steel number 4, Enemy Mine. Uh, the Lex Luthor story, and then of course, Hotman number twelve, Sift to Sunspot, and then Vigilante number thirty-five, and I believe he just did the cover on that one there. And that's what you got. All right. Well, Marvel Fanfare twenty-nine, uh, I believe, was printed on Baxter paper. The price was a dollar fifty. It was a cut above most of the newsstand uh, issues by about twice the price. We can discuss later on whether it was merited. It was $1.50 for 22 pages of John Byrne's story and art, plus an eight-page Captain America parable in the back that apparently was not well-liked by fans, but we'll get into that later. It's dated November 1986. Story and art by John Byrne, titled A Terrible Thing to Waste, which is a play on an old public service announcement about going to college and black colleges, as I recall. Colored by Andy Yachis? Yanchis? Yankees. Okay. 
lettered by Jim Novak and edited by Al Milgram. This was originally intended to appear in Incredible Hulk 320, but due to the experimental nature of 22 splash pages and the continued deterioration of relations with EOC Jim Shooter, Byrne left Marvel for DC's Superman. Now, this was supposed to be an experiment. Well, some would say that it's abuse, as in the Alpha Flight 6 stunt with four pages of white panels during a snowstorm. Uh, some say that was on assistant editor's month, and that justified it. Others say no. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm getting off topic. <laughs> it's notable because of the death of Hammer and Anvil, who have never been revived. The pair debuted in Incredible Hulk 182, making it the second or third appearance of Wolverine, and therefore highly sought after. The synopsis for the story is this. In the desert southwest, an old Indian sits on a rock smoking. The Hulk lands next to him and then just stands still. Suddenly, the Hulk raises his fist, preparing to crush the man into oblivion. The man suddenly looks up at the green behemoth and says, Friend, which stops the Hulk in his tracks. The man stands, repeating the word, and he raises his hand in the traditional Indian how gesture, saying it a third time. Hulk stands ready to smash the man, but something inside him stirs and tells him not to. He seems to recall a friend from his past. The man tells the Hulk to sit, and he does, lowering his fist. The man begins pouring an amount of powder from a small pouch onto an elaborately painted altar, and a glowing mist or smoke rises from it and moves towards the Hulk, enveloping him in its vapors. The man pulls out a high-tech satellite phone and remarks into it that the neurotranquilizer vapors are working. This is completely out of character for him. And that this will be easier because the Hulk allegedly does not have, currently have, Bruce Banner's intellect as he once did. The Hulk sits, thinking, remembering faces from his long cast of characters in the rogues gallery, faces of friends, foes, and people he once knew or had encountered. The old man slips away to hide, and two unseen figures approach the Hulk from behind, throwing a golden cable glowing with electricity coursing through it over the Hulk's head down to his neck and begin to garret the beast. They yank him backwards and down to the ground. The pair are the convicts, Hammer and Anvil, old enemies of the Hulk. They continue to choke the life out of him, but he sits upward, throwing the two forward over his head. Hulk then moves to attack them, but before he can, Hammer is shot in the face, on camera. We don't see the gore, but it's obviously a fatal shot. Hammer's lifeless body collapses, and a helpless Anvil cradles him, crying, if Hammer dies, then what happens to Anvil, who it's assumed will also die because of their link, given to them by aliens back in issue 182. As Hammer was shot, a voice rings out, justice is served. The Hulk staggers away, perplexed by this turn of events. He finds a pile of clothes and disguise that the old man had just been wearing, including a latex mask. The justice is served comment is the trademark calling card slogan of the underworld assassin Scourge, but the significance is lost on the lumbering beast. A confused Hulk picks up the latex mask and holds it up to inspect it, but it doesn't register. He's either unable to understand or is puzzled what happened to his friend, but what has just occurred is a cipher to him. Now that's where it ends, but I'm going to add one more line. He leaps away to find the next event that will cross his path, but Byrne does not actually show that. It's, I think it's simply implied, and that's all I've got. Comments? 
really interesting, you know, sitting there looking at the the plotting, knowing ultimately this came at the end of the run, that the Hulk is obviously thinking, and and he even speaks. And this is the first time he's actually spoken since we've seen this iteration of the Hulk. This tells us that there's something actually happening within the Hulk. And what is, leading what us does he to, say? I don't remember. his friend. He just repeats the word he friend. He repeats the Right, okay. Okay, but, you know, the thing is they show that one page where the Hulk is sitting there and, and you see all these images from his past. You have Wolverine, Namor, Iron Man, Ross, Banner, the Thing, Modoc, the Rhino, all these different characters from Hulk's past. Why would they be showing up in there if he's completely separate from Banner? He is remembering this, and there's something in the intellect that's coming back. Now, does that mean that he was going to become the Hulk smash Hulk again, or was he turning into something else? There is a metamorphosis going on here. At least that's my interpretation of it, and I'll be interested to hear what Tim dug up on this. Uh, well, my, my no prize on this when I read this was that him, if he is, you know, if he's a separate He's a separate entity from Banner, so he is a he's obviously got a brain in there, but there's it's empty. My guess would be that through the years he has siphoned off a little bit of Banner's intelligence, so that there is some some kind of a mind and a personality there that is slowly emerging and coming back. Like it's almost like he's being rebooted. Um, that from what I read, that's not what from what I from the article I read, what Byrne wanted to do was what he does with a lot of stuff is he wanted to bring take the Hulk back to basics. And he really loves the first six issues, the Lee Kirby first six issues where the Hulk is brutish. He's brutish. He's more sinister. He's uh, cunning. more cunning, malevolent. malevolent. Yeah. Uh, he's not a mindless rage beast. So he threat. is his. Oh, go ahead. He's a threat. Threat. Exactly. Uh, kind of what, you know, similar to what Joe Fix it becomes later down the line. Uh, but what Byrne wanted to do was by separating the two, eventually the separated Hulk would die. And there's hints that possibly the reason why, and this fits, I think, that Samson has become so uh, obsessed with the Hulk that Samson might actually kill the Hulk and die in the process. And he said similar to uh, the way that Shooter felt that Jean Grey needed to pay for her crimes as Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So that's why he wanted her to, to be killed or she commit suicide. So possibly that would, and that would fit in with the, uh, with Samson, the way he's kind of obsessed with the Hulk. If, if he eventually kills that Hulk and dies in the process, so those two guys are off the board. Then Banner, where he hints at in the wedding issue, he says he wishes he could find some way to have all that power, but to control it, to do good. He would go and recreate himself as the Hulk, but trying to do it as an intelligent Hulk. And he would wind up as the similar to the Hulk in the first couple issues. He would be uh, more of a brute. He would be intelligent, but he would be, you know, meaner, nastier, uh, more of a uh, sinister. That's a good word for it. So that would be so you, the old Hulk would be gone. You'd have new Hulk and he would still be green, but he would look like he did. um and the two, when the side by side comparison that, that Byrne drew, that he's got the Gray Hulk, he would look like that, but he would be green. He would be smaller, less powerful, but and he would be more of a, a night creature. He would kind of come out at night, but he would he would use the death of the Hulk uh, to to make the world think that the Hulk was dead. 
and that he would come out and do stuff as the Hulk, but he would have to do it at night undercover so they wouldn't think that he's a, he's another he's the Hulk again. Sounds very very similar to the Immortal Hulk run I've mentioned several times yeah, throughout the maybe discussion burn, here. Yeah, maybe some yeah. coming right off of that. <laughs> maybe Byrne well, and, and Ewing had a conversation. It Did all sense. this come from the Amazing Heroes interview in uh, issue 76 of Amazing Heroes? It's that, and there was a couple other – I didn't read the, the articles, but the, the person who wrote the article uh, was pulling from that issue, that interview and another interview. That He even said at one point Byrne had thought of um, uh, bringing in a reporter – that would hunt the Hulk, similar to the TV show. McGee, yeah. Like McGee, but it wouldn't. And I said, well, maybe that's what he was kind of developing um, the reporter that's been, that was following that, you know, kept running with the chopper, copter. Maybe she was going to be this type of um, person that was going to be kind of trailing the Hulk or maybe trailing these. If the Hulk's dead and then these other instances are happening, maybe they were going to be brought in um, for that. Because I think Byrne thought Banner was, he didn't like the idea of, uh, which is brought up later that, you know, there was the Hulk as a result of Banner's. He had a uh, a troubled childhood, you know, and he was possibly um, he had a, an alcoholic father and he had, you know, and there were, you know, some people said there's possible talk of, um, you know, molestation, you know, although that's not been proven. So that that's what that's what the Hulk is. The Hulk is the personification of all that trauma. And I think Banner didn't like that. He liked more the Jekyll and Hyde, which I kind of subscribe to that yeah. he's not he's more of a uh it's kind of a forbidden planet you know like every person has got this dark um beast within us that we keep you know it's like kirk's negative side you know it's that part of our personality that we keep we use but we keep submerged and the hulk is that it's not a result of him having a, a terrible childhood or um or that, you know, they're just talk of that all the iterations of the Hulk are these split personalities. I think Peter David brought that up. That that's you know, what I, my I, dark side is not that bad. How <laughs> I'm looking again at this page where it's got the, the, the collage of all the, the characters from the Hulk's history. And I'm finding some some things actually very interesting about it. Like you've got the Avengers, but it's the Avengers from the very first issues leading up to issue four where they brought back Captain America, because there is no Captain America. you got Thor, Giant Man, Iron Man in the very old yellow armor. Namor, who was, you know, their, their villain, of course, in the Wasp. You see Spider-Man there, Ross. The what, What's that guy with the big head, though? Uh, the Apple? troll? He's the right next to Banner's face, in between. The gargoyle. gargoyle. Gargoyle, yeah. And you Rick, Rick Jones, you see Betty, and you see those uh, toad people. Is that Quasar there with uh, Doctor Strange and Samson? And, of course, old old style Wolverine from 181 with the shorter wings on his, his mask, and it's got the claw kind of, or whisker kind of effect coming it's off his face. Jack of Hearts, too. Do you ever fight Jack of Hearts? Yeah. And uh, is that Sabra there next to Sasquatch? And there's Zax down below, Zach. the Rhino, Abomination, yeah. Super Scroll, Modoc. I don't know who the gal is on the bottom left, though. And then the UFOs there, right above his head. And well, that looks like Talisman or um, Stingray. Fire, um, fire. What was her name from the um, Texas Rangers? Oh, uh, Firebrand. No. Um, but you know, when you look at Doctor Strange, there, you you've got to remember the, the and, and there's is that Damian Hellstrom there next to Banner from Defenders Time? I think so. It looks like yeah. it. 
Yeah. Well, and you 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 um you bring something up that I wanted to point out to folks. So this, of all the the issues we've covered today, yeah, this story is totally unique in that a couple of things. The art is amazing. So these are full page. Um, you know, this is not your typical panels. It's the whole story is told in one page segments, full use of the page. Um, it's also unique in that if you don't read any of the word balloons or and they're not even word balloons are really like just text boxes, you get the gist of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, completely. You mm-hmm. don't have to read a- any of that at all. That's, that's why I always thought for some reason, my brain, this was it had no dialogue. It was just artwork. Yeah, I thought and it was the, a sign, but the it's artist not. is so gorgeous in this. I mean, this is really a, um, if you wanted to show somebody, you know, burn a really, really great burn on display, you know, page after page after page. This this would do it. Um, but yeah, you don't have to read any of it. So this is perfect, um, you know, for uh, you know a kid in a comic shop just flipping through uh, the book because it, you just you you can understand what's happening throughout this whole segment. So I just it probably that. would even be better if he would have just taken out a lot of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been, because you're right, his storytelling is so good just in the artwork. that. Yeah, yeah I but I, I don't think that, uh, you, regardless of the art and how much and big and, and beautiful the art is, the most effective storytelling piece in the whole issue is Poom and Spack. <laughs> on 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 page what is that nineteen? Mm-hmm. And it, it I mean just I remember reading that and hearing you know it's like that spec it, it just ugh, God it just gave me shivers yeah. it gave me yeah, shivers right now uh, because you recognize those sounds I mean if you've ever ever fired guns you mm-hmm. know what that sounds like and the spec is just of course something I I I'd never heard up close I don't ever want to hear up close. But yeah. Well, and Byrne doesn't shy away from describing it. He says, uh, he calls it uh, flying scraps of bone brain. And later he says, uh, crushes his ruined face against his chest as if trying to hold back the flood of hot, wet slime that gushes against his skin. So you get a pretty clear vision about what this guy's face is or was. Right, um, and and he purposely cut out what should be gore because you know, like right. he he shoots him point blank right there in the face. If yeah. that was a, a regular bullet type gun, there would be a hole in the back of the head. Yeah, I think that's comic code. Right? Yeah, so and, and so the next page, as you see, it, yeah, as he's holding him, he's realizing he's yeah. about to die, and and yeah, you're not seeing the back part of that. Now, have you guys seen anything with hammer and anvil before? No. I know of them from Ohio, maybe that's it. But are I they just normal human guys? But the 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 chain between them is the power, or do they get extra strength? Or I think well, they got a little. Yeah, they're linked. But yeah, I never understood them. I I assume for purposes of this story that you know this is like a kryptonite bullet, right? You know, so it's specially made to kill these guys. Yeah. Well, they were like, I think it was a take on the Defiant ones, because I think the yeah. the white guy's a bigot, and he gets linked to the black guy, so that's their, and then, of course, they they share this, what are this alien, I don't know what that whole story is, alien gave them this thing, and, and they're kind of super powered, but yeah. they can't take it off, because if they do, one dies. They're like Archer and Armstrong in the Valiant universe. Yeah, yeah. 
which I think brings up that this is also unique in that this is, you know, when Scourge was used throughout the Marvel, he would just pop up in a panel. He doesn't, they never really focused on him. He was just like, oh, somebody got killed in this, episode, this issue. Well, this is almost Burn, a Scourge story. This is right. really and his Burn story. Burn had him in the uh, Fantastic Four at Four Freedoms Plaza. He killed the Basilisk. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I like the way Byrne handled the Scourge, but these are the only two instances I can think of. Um, the Scourge, there was one story in Captain America that followed it, and it, it killed, I'd say, 20-plus Class C villains. Well, there was a at the bar, right? The yeah, no name the bar, bar with so, no name, and he he destroys everybody in. And and I don't know, I, I haven't read up on that issue. That's the the penultimate issue just before it concludes. Uh, yeah, where the scourge gets shot by the scourge. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what what if this was whoever came up with the idea and they and if it was like crossovers. It was like okay, in your issue you got to kill this guy, in your issue you got to kill this guy, or. Was they I mean, give them free reign? I think it's like right. here's where you get all rid of all your C and D listers, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I could see Mark Grumwald just coming up to him in the yes. bullpen saying, yep. "Here's all the guys I want to kill. Which one do you want to do?" Right. And goes basilisk, hammer and anvil. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a, it's a great way to you know clean up <laughs> characters you don't want hanging around anymore. By the way, I've checked. The front cover does not have a Comics Code Authority seal on it. Uh, probably because it this was a, a direct market book. Right. This was not on the newsstand. That no, explains why he could do what either. he did. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he could do it. I checked yeah. a couple of issues further on to see what reader response would be, because in the copy that I'm looking at, they have the letters page reprinted. So I looked about three issues ahead. There were out of maybe five letters, three of them referenced or mentioned this story, all with praise, all positive. There wasn't a single letter that had a negative detracting thing about the burn story. However, that's still the only thing that, that made it into print. There was a lot of fan reaction in Comic Buyer's Guide newspaper about that this was yet another example of Burns ego and that it was only 22 panels. How dare they charge a buck and a half for 22 panels? And, you know, fans were outraged. Well, you know, you didn't have to buy it. And you could flip through it standing right in the, the comic right. shop and get it, it just by looking at the pictures. Well, I mean, I, if you're drawing a full page or if you're drawing a page broken up into nine panels, you're still drawing the same square footage of, of page. So I don't I don't see they, that. They, they, would, have, they would have issue, again, this was before. Yeah, I wasn't buying this, um, you know, off the rack at this time. Um, they they would have just cause if those 22 pages weren't as detailed as they are. I mean, these, these are really detailed pages. Yeah. I mean, especially what he does with, with um, our Native American, you know, yep. who is really not Native American, but he is extremely detailed. So is the Hulk. You know, you got great backgrounds and the environment. And, and the Native American guy... I've seen people that look just like him. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, this doesn't. This I, I'm. I think this works better as a standalone, like it is. If this is, yeah. was actually issue three twenty, it would be confusing because one, the only thing it really adds to the story is that the Hulk maybe is not mindless. That there is something there. Other than that, it's just uh, you get these two B list guys, C list guys killed off. Uh, it would. It would have been a weird 
it would have been a weird stopgap or like a like a pause in in what he was telling because it's like okay now I'm gonna tell you this experimental story doesn't add much to my main story and then we're gonna go back to it so wow that's not really hey Brian yeah I really like your analysis of the uh, the the all the faces the rogues gallery what have you I hadn't caught that they were only the Hulk's memories from like the original six issues. Now that I actually have it up in front of me and I'm looking at it, I agree with you. Um, you know, the, the fact that Captain America's face is not with the Avengers, yeah. I think you're really onto something. Absolutely, I think this is evidence that Byrne was turning the clock back to the original six issues and the original. Well, uh, I mean, it, it still goes to his his regular. Uh, I mean, to the regular Hulk run. Yes. Because yes. you got Wolverine and 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 Modoc and and Abomination in there. It, it and goes Firebrand, beyond. Yeah. And but, um, the gal from Israel. I don't remember her name. Sabra. Sabra. But, yeah. I mean, those but, all. I mean, the, the thing is, is that it's it's all pointed towards a uh, Hulk history. Right. That that is not you know you you don't see a Secret Wars thing. You don't see. You know any of the other stuff that's gone on, so you you realize that, that that he's pulling from very specific things. So this is only the Hulk's memories of, and it's just the Hulk. It's not Banner's memories. Yeah. Right, right. I agree. So yeah, that's. But you're right, Kirk, because his Avengers memories are from that first, from first his time in the Avengers, yeah. which was pre-Cap. Yeah, right. Because look look at the Iron Man that's in there. That's yep. That's and Iron Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Wasp. Well, I think what's really interesting is I don't know from what you know what we speculated what Byrne wanted to do. I don't know if he talked to because he leaves and Al Milgram comes on for like ten issues and then I think Peter David takes over. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff that he kind of wanted to do does come to pass. We get a new Hulk out of Rick Jones. We get uh, a new Gray Hulk, which is kind of a you know more of a sinister. He's you know kind of a leg breaker, which he becomes Mister Fixit. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this stuff happens the way kind of uh, Byrne wanted to do, just maybe not exactly the way he wanted it to. So I don't know if there was any conversation or if he left notes or if that was just all coincidental. I don't think he left notes of, of anything. I mean, the the and I hate to say it this way, but the ham-fisted way that Al Milgram put the Hulk and Banner back together, you know, I, it, it's just... You know, there, there there was nothing from Byrne. Now, the the interview in Amazing Heroes seventy six that came out at that time, they could have gone off of that. Yeah, possibly. I, I don't have really a problem way Milgram brought them back together because I think you you eventually going to have to have. Do you do you carry it forward where there is uh, banners constantly separated, or is it is it is he separated for you know? A year or two years or something like that, you know, whatever the time period right. is. Eventually, you're going to have to get them back together. Right. Um, or else you don't have a story. But that's, you know, that's what's what's great about comics is that because they are handed down from person to person and the stories change so much that there's always going to be some section that, well, this is my Hulk. I like when they did this, this run. The next guy comes along, like, well, I don't really like that. But that's fine because you still got your stuff. You know, and that works with all parts of fandom so you can always kind of pick what you wanted to be without having to think we know it should you know you should have to stick uh to continuity and you shouldn't change this and uh you know you're not allowed to because that that's kind of strangles a, a writer as to what he can do okay good points all anybody uh now anybody got any final points on this issue 
as an experimental issue, experimental storytelling, I don't have a problem with this. This is unique, it's unusual, but I do think it's symptomatic of a pattern that Byrne is experimenting with, as in last issue, you know, flipping the narrative from the top to the bottom. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that I care where this ultimately leads to down the road, but I have no problem with this issue. I enjoyed it, I thought it was poignant, I thought it worked. I'm not sure that it was worth $1.50, but compared to prices now, hey. Yeah, it's a bargain. It's a bargain. Yeah. And, you know, for me, you know, I always looked at Marvel fanfare as being experimental anyway. So when I saw that was in there, I go, wow, that makes sense. And I was just, I savored it. I really enjoyed that and, and didn't have a problem with it being what it is. So I was very happy with that. I was bummed that Byrne left, you know, the Hulk. But, you know, our world got turned upside down with Superman right after that. So yeah. do, is, do we know why he left the Hulk? Or did but, I miss that somewhere along the way? Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. And, and the, the long and the short of it is basically that he he got into a cab ride with Shooter and said what he wanted to do with the Hulk. You know, it's kind of his oh, elevator right, pitch. Right. And Shooter says, that sounds great. You should do that. So he, he and Bill Mantlos, you know, swap jobs. And then as as Byrne is sitting there doing it, Shooter comes back, according to Byrne, and says, wait, you can't do this. And he got so beat down from, you know, getting this all the time that he just said, fine, if I can't do it, I'm just not going to do the book. Yeah, kind of like what happened with Captain America. But yeah. as we were saying, there are, you know, stories going back and forth that, you know, there was a little bit of Denny O'Neill in it. And, you know, Denny O'Neill as an editor was kind of sitting back a little bit and not quite uh, bringing everything to Shooter. And so when Byrne came up with this issue, he says, you know, basically, you, you, you know, Shooter won't let you do this. And maybe maybe he just never showed it to Shooter, said that's thinking that, that Shooter wouldn't allow it not knowing whether or not Shooter would allow it because everybody was walking on eggshells around Shooter. Yeah. At, well, the, I think at that point in time. I think outside of fanfare, he didn't do anything unless he had notes for stuff that was really going to get crazy later down the road. And maybe it was the killing the original Hulk and having a new Hulk. Maybe that's what Shooter couldn't deal with. But up from what we saw, he didn't make any radical changes, really. Nothing that really hadn't been done before. Hey, hey, so. Yeah, and I know we're closing on three hours probably. Yeah, so we're I, over that. <laughs> well, I'm saying recorded time. <laughs> try, try something else here. Shooter has to answer to a board of directors and yeah. to the corporation. And Alpha Flight was created and given its own book specifically to market to Canada. So you have your, your star artist creator who originated it and made it popular for two years suddenly decide to flip books and the sales plummet that it's virtually terrible and you've got to answer your board of directors says, wait a minute how why did you let our store our star get away what happened to our marketable canadian book that we had plans for that we were yeah. counting on you know you follow what i'm saying he may have yeah, greenlighted but... it in the cab but then later on he's got a answer for the plummet in sales but here's here's the problem with all that okay is that early on in shooter's career as editor-in-chief he got the trains running on time he got all the books coming out when they're supposed to come out and right. a lot of great things were happening at marvel but as time went on and he started realizing just how good he was doing he started taking his own publicity to heart 
and therefore became what was referred to by Byrne as the whim of iron. Now, the biggest problem was Byrne, I mean, a shooter wasn't concentrating on the books that had dismal sales. He was sitting there, kept stirring his fingers in the pot of all the top-selling books so that the writers and artists on those were the ones that were jumping ship. And, you know, it, I mean, you know, George Perez and Marv Wolfman go off to to D.C. to do Teen Titans, you know, <laughs> that should have been a Marvel book. I mean, you know, different characters, but they could have done something well at Marvel. They didn't want to. Right. So, you know, I mean, the thing is, and Shooter was only dipping his hands into high-selling books so he could sit there and say, look what I did here. This book is selling great. Look what I did here. I think we've, so, I think we've all had experiences at work like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and then at this point, this is when uh, Shooter came up with the great idea for a new universe. Because mm -hmm. if you look in the, the last issue of the Hulk, the 319, you see the first uh, 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 writings of Shooter in the... Uh, there's an ad column. for... There's yeah, an ad, there's an ad for, for the, it, too. For launched in 86. Yeah. So I, I, for my final comments on all of this together, I think it'd be very interesting to compare this to, like, uh, Vision Quest, right? That was like eight issues, I think. Mm -hmm. And then that's Where, Tom DeFalco doing the same thing to Burn that Shooter did. So saying, go it, ahead, and then later on telling him, no, you can't do that. But I think that story, unlike this one, so I, I kind of left this, this uh, you know, call it, you know, a series, because it is like its own little series within the, uh, you know, Hulk Volume 1. Um I, I left it just kind of meh, like, uh, you know, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's, it feels to me like he, and we've been talking about it on and off the whole time. He had these, this big idea that he wanted to do. It got nixed maybe one or two issues in, and then he just kind of floated to the end, mm -hmm. you know, did, did what he needed to do to fulfill whatever obligation that he gave to Marvel, you know, I'll write seven books or I'll write eight books and then I'm done. And he doesn't really do anything in that time. And, you know, Tim brought up the repetitiveness of the story. I think that feeds into that narrative of just going through the motions. It's yeah, it's not yeah. it's not bad. It's not good. It's just kind of right in that middle of like, eh. To me, it was set up. To me, it was, yeah, we need a, a lot of punchy, punchy run run. So people get the idea that, you know, this Hulk is, you know, all about action. Uh, and, you know, he did put in character plot points and different motivations and movements. There was stuff going on in the background that didn't have anything to do with the punchy, punchy run run. And that's why it became repetitive. There was plot points he wanted to throw in there. He wanted to move the story along. Yeah, you, you could tell he was but setting up it was what he wanted Hulk to do. It was the book. And so, therefore, you have to see the Hulk in there. You can't just have it all Bruce and Betty talking about their history and their love and all that. You know, the, to me, that's what that was. So, yeah, in, in a way, it was a little bit of filler, but it was to sit there and give every fan what they wanted. And he delivered, in my opinion. Well, another thing that uh, and I forgot to bring up was that Byrne was going to have when when Banner becomes this new iteration of the Hulk, uh, that, that Hulk was going to be more uh, emotional and it was somehow going to be siphoning the emotions off of Banner so that when Banner was Banner, he would be, he was going to grow kind of a little more cold towards Betty, a little more um, distant. 
and removed. So that was possibly going to put a strain on their relationship. So it was going to be more that the, the other Hulk was going to experience all the emotions and Banner would become emotionless, more like a robot. So, And we saw that in the Peter <clears throat> David run. Yeah. Especially so in the Tom McFarlane era. And maybe that's why when I read this and burn leaves and the rest come on, I kind of read it all as one continuing story, kind of flowed into another. Yeah, I mean... Milgram got him back together, and then <clears throat> Peter David came in and did some really crazy stuff I don't I don't like. It wasn't him, but I hate the way they did the leader with the big bulbous brain head. I don't like that. Uh, uh, far, that was like, a Farland art. You like that Hulk better? I mean, that leader yeah, better? No. No. Just give me the big forehead, he leader. Um, right. I agree. But, yeah, we don't know what he was doing. And I don't know if Byrne is the type that, well, you – Oh, I can't do it my way. Then forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. There's no compromise, or maybe there was no compromise with Shooter. Maybe he couldn't sit down and talk and say, "Well, I want to do this." You said, "No." What can we come in the middle and work out? Or is it Burns like, "Nope, I'm taking my toys and I'm leaving." So, I think more and more it became that the the, the latter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're only he knew he was pieces that that came from Burn off of his website or. You know the interviews. We're not hearing, you know, the other sides of the, of the discussion that much. I know we did hear a little bit on the the Denny O'Neill front, but yeah. we, you know, we rarely get the other side, especially Shooter's perspective on that. And, and for the most part, on Shooter's own blog, he's been gracious uh, towards any of the other writers and artists. I haven't heard him really throw anybody under the bus. Yeah. Well, anytime you got creative people, you're going to get clashes of ego and ideology and process and some are going to work well with others and some are going to be no it's my way the highway so that's just i think the nature of people that are yeah it's putting stuff out i don't think you could ask them in a convention environment why were you so hard on burn no and you, it's, you it's made different. other people draw yeah. redraw stuff why did you do this why did you do it you know it's it's difficult to sit there and ask and get the right kind of the the true answer rather than you know whatever right. they've because he's going to tell you you know at, at the time I thought that was the best idea you know this is thirty years later or whatever he's going to he's a different person so it's hard there's, to, com- or there's complexities there's complexities yeah. in any kind of working relationship yeah. and absolutely it, you know the answer is never going to be black and white you know and right. it's going to it's always going to be cumulative things too um, you know that contribute to whatever it was that you know, finally caused Burn to just decide, you know, okay, I'm, I'm done. Right. You know, like, um, like you said, you know, pack up his toys and, and, and leave, you know, it wasn't just one incident. By the way, the, uh, the shooter thing at the end of dark Phoenix, he didn't say that dark Phoenix had to die. He said that Jean Grey had to atone for yeah. what she had done. Or it was punished. Yeah. And it, it was Burn himself that said, I'd rather just kill her. Yeah. So, he didn't go that that's how it evolved and he gets the blame for it but he asked for uh, a moral uh, accounting for it yeah so are, uh, are we done with this issue or are we going to go for an annual or where are we headed now guys I think we're, we're over time we, we, I, I think, think we're we passed, done we've finished our, our Hulk coverage here and I you know again uh, we'll beg our listeners to write something to us whether it's on Facebook or the, our Gmail account, that's got to get burned at gmail.com. Or uh, if you want to go to iTunes or the otherwise known as Apple Podcast and give us a review, we could use a good five star review. We've got five of them out there right now, and that's just not enough. I mean, one, only one within the last 
two years. And I can't believe that other people aren't using iTunes to, to pull this stuff down. I know that most of them are going out to the website at 2TrueFreaks.com, and that's great. And uh, soon we'll probably have better ways of being able to communicate, easier ways of being able to communicate. But for the time being, you know, send us an email or, or post to us on Facebook. We'd really love to hear what you guys are thinking about all this. And, uh, you know, if you have further discussion you want to bring up, uh, that, you know, we wouldn't mind uh, following up. Yeah. I do want to point out that uh, last week on the Facebook page, or a week before last, after we'd done the Spider-Man issue, I believe it was John had uh, come back and said, hey, guys, or uh, was it John or was it Tim that pointed out the, the car? It was John. Or John me. Pointed, yeah, that yeah, uh, <laughs> there was uh, a throwback to Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch. Yeah, uh, on the page of uh, of the the chat the Peter the Spider Man Chapter One story, and uh, we all missed it during the discussion. Even as we're going through page by page, we missed it. Well, we really didn't go page by page, did we? No, um, no, no. That was with Scott. Books. We kind of talked all around it because we mostly talked to Scott. Well, no, I'm talking about on the on the, the Peter Parker, oh, the Spider Man. We did. No, one. we kind of did like this. We kind of did. Yeah. Quick. Kind of but uh, but yeah, we missed that. So uh, if you go out to our Facebook page, you'll see the post where we talk about Spider-Man, and uh, everybody points that out, and we all missed it, <laughs> which is so funny considering we covered that just a few weeks ago with Scott Gardner. And then uh, we I also posted up a video of John Byrne on the Today Show 1986, but I think we discussed that one before because uh, none of the stuff that came out back then was really nice to him. And uh, he uh, he looked like he was not having a happy moment on TV. Mm, maybe but, shy. But again, please write us and let you know. Let us know what you are thinking about this. Now, what are we covering next? I don't think we discussed what we're covering. We next. haven't. We haven't. Wasn't there a, a, a Hulk annual you were going to do? Well, okay. One of the things that that we were uh, we could have discussed here is that uh, Hulk Annual number eighteen came out um, around the same time after issue three fourteen, and they they even point to it uh, in the page notes as you're reading the story. And I'll tell you, here's the synopsis of that 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 thing. Byrne wrote it. Sal Basima did the art on the front cover. Basima does the art, and Byrne inks it. But beyond writing the story, he doesn't do any more art. The synopsis is like this. While the Hulk is leaping through the air, he gets grabbed by three people that want to take his body and put this big guy's mind in it. Um, they're all bad people. There's nothing redeeming about them. And ultimately, they all wind up dead. End of story. That's it. It wasn't, uh, to me, uh, a great story. It was just... Uh, Let's grab the Hulk and do something with him, and he'll beat his way out of it. Okay. I think, Tim, you liked it, though, didn't you? I liked it, yeah, I liked it. I think Byrne was exploring a little bit of what gamma rays do, which explains, you know, for yeah. not spoiling it, but explains what happens at the end. But I, uh, I'd never seen these characters before, and and so I, you know, there was nothing in this story that, that really interested me. I read it all the way through, and I was just kind of like, okay, but that was pretty much it. Yeah. Well, it, we got it didn't anything add else? or remove anything uh, from the Hulk storyline. No, no, it was it was it was a you know it was a one out of one out of ten. I say it was a six, you know. Um, but if we got anything else? I think we're uh, we're closing up on people are going to have to 
get off and, got dropped. and get back to their life. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll discuss our next episode. If you have suggestions, please let us know. Uh, and who's going to take us out? Because I did it last time. I'll take us out. All righty. Thanks. All right. Uh, I want to thank everybody. If you've downloaded this and listened to all of it, then I appreciate it because this is our big 50th uh, episode. Uh, so for Third Degree Burn, uh, I am Tim Elliott. I'm Brian I'm Hughes. Green. I'm Kurt Greenfield. Intern John Hyatt. <laughs> VP of Sales, David Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> Thanks and have a great yeah. week. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.